folks and folkettes and whichever designation you prefer, welcome to the second episode of From the Ashes. I wanted to start off by thanking everyone that tuned into episode one with Bobby Tyler. It was very popular. I had a lot of great feedback on it, and I certainly learned a lot from listening to back to it. Um, it went over quite well. People enjoyed the content. So for all of you to listen to it, thank you very much. For those of you that haven't listened to it yet, please go back and give it a listen. Give it a like. Helps with my numbers and uh, helps get a little bit more support for the podcast. This week, I've got an absolute giant of a guest. Probably the most talked about person on the UK wrestling scene for the past couple of years. Definitely a star in the making. Somebody who I've had the pleasure of knowing since his very first day in the business. And I've already made it very clear to him that I expect 25% of all of his multi-million dollars he makes in the future. Second episode is going to be with Mr. Charles Crowley. We sat for a literally two hours talking nonstop and we covered a tremendous amount. And it, had it not been for the fact we both had things we had to get to, I think we could have sat there for another two hours quite easily and just, just constantly talking. He's one of the most interesting people I've ever come across in the wrestling business. He's got so much of a story of his own and it was just really good to go back over what he's done so far, some of his viewpoints on things and kind of relive a few moments and talk about the next steps for Crowley. So that'll be coming up after this. I'll put some timestamps in the notes so you can jump straight to the interview if you wish and you don't have to listen to me babbling on. It's not a problem. But first off, uh, I wanted to just have a little bit of a, a talk about one thing that had been on my mind, actually. So following the first episode, I was talking to one of my friends who had listened to the episode, and he brought up something that has been a bit of an interesting topic for me for quite a while, and it's definitely a hot-button topic at the moment, and that's intergender wrestling. People sit on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to intergender wrestling. They're either very much for it or very much against it. People talk a lot about how wrestling has to evolve, and I think intergender wrestling is one of the evolutions that we cannot ignore. Now, I've been a big supporter of women's wrestling for a very long time, um, almost my entire career. Shortly after I got into the business, I was on shows and working regularly with the likes of Sweet Soraya, with Nikita, uh, with, with others, and it was never seen as a subsection of, of the business it was never seen as girls division and i was always staunch supporter of it and not only have i trained various female wrestlers over the years i've worked with various female wrestlers over the years in intergender matches and i've never had a problem with it very very early on in my career i was working matches with erin angel as the new breed i was doing both tag and singles matches with with sky and the, the original jade um with erin as well and i never i never had a problem never saw it as anything different and i think maybe it's a bit different for me perhaps because you know i'm i'm five nine in my boots at my biggest i was say about 220 pounds so by no means a giant but it was realistic for me and i never saw a problem with it because my logic was always this. Anyone out there that's got kids, even if they're not your own, but I don't mean kids you've kidnapped. I mean, if you've got nieces, nephews, cousins, whatever. No matter how old you are, no matter how big you are, if a, if a five-year-old comes along and punches you on the nose, your eyes are going to water, 
you're gonna you're gonna buckle at the knees. If same five year old, if you're male, kicks you in the balls, you're gonna go down because it's a kick in the balls. So it's realistic of somebody of smaller stature or smaller power or whatever being able to take you down. Now I think the psychology has to come into it sensibly, but there's no difference in psychology in terms of working with selling for a female wrestler who is lighter than you than there is working with a male wrestler who is lighter than you. I've worked with people who are 50, 60, 70 pounds lighter than me. I've still sold for them. I've been thrown around and knocked off my feet by people that are 140 pounds as, as young trainees, as males. Why wouldn't I go down? This is a cooperative endeavor that we're involved in. So for the same kind of thing to have a, a female get physical with me, I don't understand why people wouldn't sell for, for a woman or would have a problem with doing it. Now, I understand the more kind of tempered approach that people are very, very uncomfortable with it because of what is an awful awful situation that is still happening in society of domestic abuse don't doubt that for a second and i completely understand that and i'm completely in tune with that but at the same time we can't let that dictate and hold down and limit what women want to do as i spoke of in in the 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 interview with Bobby Tyler i don't use the term female wrestler i don't use the term intergender matches i don't draw attention to the, the, the gender boundaries when I'm booking events and booking matches. I don't have female wrestlers. I have wrestlers who are female. I have wrestlers who are male. I have wrestlers who are female. I have wrestlers who don't identify as either. They're gender neutral. They're gender fluid. Not a problem. I, I have no issue with any of that, and they should be treated the exact same as anybody else. The same way as I wouldn't treat somebody different because of the colour or their sexual preference or their sexual orientation. I, 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 maybe I'm too liberal-minded in that. I, I don't see the defining line, and I, and I don't think anyone else should. Intergender wrestling, when done properly, can be very, very good. It can be fantastic. Like I said with the, the interview with Bobby, her match with Crowley is one of the best matches UBW has ever put on. It was fantastic. And I would put Bobby in there with anybody of her size and bigger. And <laughs> having known Bobby since day one, yeah, I'd put her in there with anyone because she's as tough as anybody and she can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anyone. She can wrestle and fight a few of the guys I know under the table very easily. Now, I think on the bigger schemes, on the, the larger stages, if you will, it is more sensitive, and especially in somewhere like America, it's, it's a lot more sensitive. It's a difficult thing, but it has to be broached, and we have to get past it because we can't keep treating females as lesser or as more fragile or as they have to be protected. The same way that I would... The same way that, for example... If I was in there with, say, Sticks, I love Sticks, great, great friend of mine, big guy. Um, what, what are you weighing now, Sticksy, 240, 250? Yeah, somewhere around that area. I would hit him maybe a little bit more snug or solid 
than I would do. Mm. Let me think. Um, Kickflip Eddie, one of the younger guys in UBW, who's maybe one hundred and forty pounds all in all. Purely because one, I'm not a dick, but also because one, you don't need to hit hard, but two, if they've got a smaller frame, you'd be a bit more careful with them. There's no need to go in and start treating it like it's a a, a full-on fight. So I would do the exact same thing with anybody of a smaller stature, male or female. I would be a bit more sensible with them because of their frame, because of their body weight, because of their structure. So you just have to be sensible with things. I, I, honestly, I, I stand here now and I say this. I defy any guy on the UK scene to step in a ring with Rhea Ripley, for example, and say, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to sell for you or I'm, I'm going to be the powerhouse in this match. She would rough ride and, and steamroll anybody. Absolutely guaranteed. And pretty much any of the women in Japanese wrestling, because of the way they're trained and how tough they are, would steamroll most of the guys. Most of the girls on the UK scene and the US scene nowadays are the same thing. They are trained hard and they're trained no different. I trained Bobby and I trained Eden the exact same as all the guys. Because, like I said before, and I've said to every male trainee that I've worked with that's had a bit of a problem and they've kind of been treading on eggshells when working physically with the, with the females... If you take it light on them, you're disrespecting them. If you take it easy on them, you're disrespecting them. Be sensible. Don't roll up and just punch them straight in the face full force, but then don't punch anybody in the face false false. Work with the person as they are. Treat them the same. If that person turns around and goes, hey, lighten up a little bit, that's fine. I've had males do that as well as, well as females. More males than females, to be honest. But we have to be getting over this. We have to be treating this differently. The, the concept of intergender wrestling needs to be pushed forward, but the term intergender wrestling needs to drop, needs to stop. It needs to be just wrestling. And I'm doing everything possible to do that myself within UBW. I had no negative feedback about the Bobby and Crowley match. I had one person say it was a bit uncomfortable when she was on the receiving end of some of the punishment, but she fought back and she she came back and she gave it back. So that was okay. I can understand people still being uncomfortable with it. And that's going to happen. That's going to take a very long while. But you just have to be sensible with it. You have to bear in mind that that kind of thing is there. But we need to push forward. The female talent worldwide now is incredible. And if you want to separate it out as female and male, a lot of the female talent is better than a lot of the male talent, but they need to be seen the same. The sooner we can break down those boundaries, the better and the, the sooner we can move forward. It's been a very strong push in the last few years to strengthen females in movies and TV with lead roles, with gender swaps, with with things like you know Wonder Woman, Black Widow, showing that women can be superheroes as well, which is great and, and it's really important. But the long-term gain is to not even have that discussion about, oh, they're, they're a really good leading hero for a woman. Or, oh, you know, it's really good to have a female in that role. It, it, it's got to get to the point where that's not even a discussion point, that that's not even seen. It is going to take a long while. It's going to take a massive cultural shift. 
But wrestling's got an opportunity to to really kind of lead that charge to quite a degree. And the more we push it, and the more we do it, the more it will it will get across. It is going to be a hard slog, but we just got to keep at it. So that was my thought. So uh, it was Jake that mentioned that, and um, uh, thank you for that, Jake. And I think it's a very important topic. And I debate it with anybody quite happily. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. I'm very hopeful for it, and I think as many of us that can push it as as, as can do, and there's a tremendous amount of us in the business. The more of us that can push it, the better. Uh, and we just got to keep we got to keep pushing on with it. It wasn't that long ago that that there was dividing lines in terms of race. I mean, there still is, sadly, around the world, but it's a lot further forward than it was. And that's just by constantly pushing. And we have to keep pushing all these things for equality. There needs to be equality across the board. And it's down to us. So we've got to keep pushing it. Anyway, enough about that. It's time to get on with the interview with Crowley. So this is a couple of hours. We cover a lot of stuff. We have a good chat. Um, Crowley is such an interesting character. Um, and when I say character, I mean, even on a personal level, he's so colorful, so interesting, so unique, so eccentric, and he's just a great person outside as well as inside of the ring. His skill set goes beyond wrestling. He's produced his own films, his movie drive me to the end. And I'll, I'll put links to this in the show notes. I'm not saying this because he's a friend. It's a fantastic movie. It is a really good story. It's a fantastically made film. Everyone should watch it. It, it. it deals with some sensitive subjects and some stuff that's not often talked about. And he does it masterfully. And then on top of that, what he did is his New Year's Eve special. You are cordially invited, which was when the apocalypse was in full swing and wrestling was completely dead and there was nothing going on. He went out and he made a wrestling mini movie top-level production, top-level equipment, and some of the top names in the business in the UK to go and put on a small action movie. And it's fantastic. He has no limit to his skill set. So we're going to get on with the interview now. Uh, Enjoy this. Uh, Give it a like afterwards, please. Please subscribe. I'll be announcing guests on a weekly basis, hopefully. I've got a few people lined up already. And I think, you know, I've, I've hit it big with the first two, certainly. So... I need to keep that up, and the next few that I've got lined up are going to be just as good. And I'm really looking forward to doing some more and getting some more interviews out there for people to enjoy. But like I say, give it a like, give it a subscribe. I'm going to keep saying that because I want to get my numbers up. And um, yeah, enjoy the interview. Here's Crowley. Okay. Well, it's time. The man of the hour is here. Mr. Charles Crowley, welcome to From the Ashes. Hello, thank you very much for having me. You're more than welcome. You're more oh, than welcome. Nice. So let's, let's get it straight into it. You have been pretty much the name on everybody's lips, on everybody's mouth for the past couple of years. You've been pretty much the buzz guy around the UK scene. Um, from my perspective, as, as the guy that helped training up and you first walked into the to the school it's been a meteoric rise of something that i've never seen before and you've been a real kind of tour de force across the scene in a very short time let's go back a little bit and talk about how crowley came to be so when you first got into wrestling what was 
what was your inspiration for getting into wrestling in the first place? When did, how did you grow up and how did wrestling become the thing that you wanted to do? Who were the guys that inspired you? I know Edge was a big inspiration for you originally. Um, but like I, I mentioned to Bobby Tyler on the previous podcast, there's a big difference between being a fan of this and actually going ahead and doing it. Talk us through how you kind of went all the way up until that point. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's tricky because I think it's kind of probably more and more widely known now that I got into wrestling quite late. Um, it wasn't on in my house. It wasn't on TV. Like you hear a lot of um, stories of people saying, oh, you know, wrestling would just pop on or like my brother, you know, I'm an only child. So like I've got like um, half sisters, but I've always grown up. It's just been me and my dog um, or dogs. And uh, so like, I never had anyone that was interested in wrestling, so I had no idea. And then when it was on, I was more like baffled. I was like, what is this? I had no idea. My friends weren't interested in wrestling either. Um, and then later in school, maybe I'm thinking around the age of uh, 14, 15, started to get a new group of mates and they were starting talking about wrestling and all this kind of stuff. So I heard a lot about it before I even saw it. Um, and yeah, and then, then like I the first thing I heard about was Eddie Guerrero's death. <laughs> so like, this was this huge thing. The whole school was talking about it. And by this point, sure. I probably knew little bits like, you know, I, I knew of Scotty too hotty and I was like, yeah, he's my favorite for sure. Even though I didn't really know, I've probably never seen a full match of his, uh, but I saw his dance and the worm and I was like, this guy, Scotty too hotty. He's the one he's mega star legend. Um, but yeah, then, then Eddie grows death, like everything. And I was like, Oh, oh I better figure out what this is. Um, and I'd seen bits of Eddie Guerrero. So I was like, I felt sad because everyone else felt sad. Then I looked at his YouTube video, the tribute. And I just, the tribute they, that they did for Eddie Guerrero. Oh my God. I bawled my eyes out and I didn't even know this guy. And yet they put across this story of who he was and what he'd accomplished and how many like people he touched and how good he was and how unique he was. And I was like, wow. And it just made me want to know more about him. So I went to search for more about him. <laughs> and that's how I proper got into wrestling. Because I was like, I need to watch more Eddie Guerrero stuff. And I'd watch as much as I could. And I'd see like the, the smile on his face when he did something like cheeky. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Look how cool that is. Like he's not being a twat or he is being a twat, but he knows he is. And he's like owning it. And like, you know, that's then the cogs start turning. And then because I saw him, I saw other people and people like Edge and Edge comes along and I'm like, he's being a twat, but also he is acknowledging that he's being a twat. Whoa, <laughs> like there's something quite cool about that. Um, and he's like, you know, yeah. So anyway, so all those, all these incredible characters started to come along and I started to learn more. It still wasn't on my TV too much. So it took a while, but um then Edge v Undertaker was my first WrestleMania. And oh my God, that was just immense. All my mates were cheering for Undertaker. They were like, come on. And I was like, no, 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 surely. How, how can you not want Edge to win? Look how cool he looks and look how cool he is. It just made so much sense to me. It baffled me. And then, it's, you know, his mates run in, these two Edgehead guys. At the time, I had no idea who they were. And I was like, oh, now he's definitely going to win because he's got two more people to help him, which actually in reality... You know, as time goes on, you know that if someone runs in, his likelihood is he's probably going to lose. But wow, that was incredible. What a day. And I got so emotionally attached to that match without having to watch wrestling. that I was like, okay, so I'm in now. Um, and I started to watch as, as often as possible. I 
to actually get myself to go, there was a few times. So during uni, I went to um, like a, a trial place in, in Lincoln. Um, I can't remember what it was called at the time. It, it's not uh, Lincoln Fight Factory, but it was a place, something to do with uh, GWA, RDW or something. Anyway, and they had links to Grimsby. Um, and I went in there and I had a little try and the, the atmosphere was really strange. It felt kind of eerie um, and it wasn't as fun. It wasn't as shiny as watching WWE. So I didn't really stick to it much because I was like, I don't get it. Like this isn't what's on TV. So they're lying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's as simple as that. I'm like, this know. is a bill of goods. This is. Well, yeah, it's hard because when you see wrestling as like, you're so lo- in love with the stories and the characters and you don't, really quite understand the mechanics of actual wrestling and they're like right here we're going to teach you the mechanics and you can't do any of these flips until you've learned the basics i'm like what are you talking about i just i want to go to the top rope and jump off it and they're like mm, no <laughs> and then i was like what so i just didn't stick with that um but even at that point they said you could be you could be pretty good you know because you've got this like acting background and like you're in pretty good shape. Even at that time, I was in moderately good shape. Um, but I was like, ah, oh, well, yeah, but good at what? This wrestling or WWE? So I was like, I'm out. So I went away. But then I kept watching it and I kept feeling this, this pull towards it. And I was watching, I was like, I really feel like I can do this because the people I like in this are believable. They're the believable ones. Eddie Guerrero, Edge, they speak, I believe them because they're good actors. So I was like, I, and, and the people that were still these megastars weren't as such good actors. Uh, and I was watching these backstage promos and I was like, are you kidding me? I can definitely do that. And, it, and that to me was what wrestling was, quite simply. So I was like, I can get on a mic and talk. I can be a great wrestler. So then I went to, I was like, right, where's the, the best, most professional place with links? And I found Robbie Brookside's place. And I was still in uni at this point. Uh, so I was like 20 and I went over to his place and it was like the last week he was there before he shot off to NXT. Um, and again, I got there and it felt a little bit more legit. Um, but he was like, you will do no jumping. You do no diving. You'll do none of this. Uh, the, the, your finish will, you know, he's my finish is a kick to the back and that finishes people. And that's all it needs to be. And I was like, what? Like again, it just didn't compute with me. I was like, this isn't right. I don't get it. I don't think this way. And and how can everyone else? So I'm so confused where the link is. Anyway, so again, I did a few. Jack Stars was there. Um, Again, at that level, he was was still a beast. Like he was just like in exceptional shape doing very impressive things. But I was like, yeah, none of these guys are going to be in WWE. It doesn't make sense. Like none of them are doing any acting. None of them are doing any promos. <laughs> anyway, so I went away and um, just carried on with my acting career, you know, and, and one day I was at, at home in Bedfordshire and I was watching it again and I went, I was always drawn to it. So like, I just, eventually I just kind of said to myself, oh, right, 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 right. I've got to figure this out. I've got to. And I was like, so I looked at Brookside's thing and I was like, right, I'll go back. And that had kind of gone a bit weird. He'd gone and all this kind of stuff. And that was the only place I knew. So I typed in wrestling schools nearby. It popped up with like jujitsu and stuff. And then like Roman, like American wrestling, like actual wrestling. And I was like, oh no, what's all this? But also at that point, I thought well, maybe you do proper wrestling to get into pro wrestling. Cause that seems to be what everyone's so focused on is the actual wrestling. Um, and then I found UBW and I was like, whoa, 
this one's not too far away. Um, maybe I'll give it a try. And then I uh, went to the Facebook page and I found some links to shows. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, Paul. The shows didn't initially sell me very well. There were aspects to the shows that I was like, this is sick because they're doing the stuff that I relate to. But also, I wasn't, no disrespect to the wrestler himself because he's an absolutely lovely guy and I think he's very talented as well. But Look At You was on a show. And Look At You, I watched Look At You come out with his mask, with obviously the eyes don't blink because the eyes are on the mask and like the ears are flopping. And like he was, he was getting kicked in the corner and what, and you know, that the, the quality was quite low because of, you know, it wasn't at the time and the quality was you're using what camera you had and all this. So again, it kind of is, you're kind of watching it, like trying to figure things out and he's getting kicked in the corner and he fires up and he goes, look, and then gets kicked and goes, look, and his eyes aren't blinking. And I'm like, this is terrifying. <laughs> for a start yeah. and and like you know this is like there's kids and family show and and they're all watching and you know enjoying it but i was like this i don't know what this is but it's definitely very different to the others and they're doing the entrances and then and it looks like they're doing the kind of fun side that i see so i was like i'm gonna go <laughs> and if, if the pikachu guy's there i might not stay long but um i'll go um, yeah. And then I went to my first training session. I had a giant ginger beard, like a fisherman. Did. And I was growing my hair out as well. So I looked pretty, pretty crazy. Um, which you guys seemed to like at the time. Cause you were like, yeah, this guy, who's this six foot muscular, big beard and all this kind of stuff, wrestler vibes. Um, but yeah. And I came and, and because I'd had like the odd session elsewhere before, before, you know, I knew what a bump was and I could moderately do it. But, oh, the vibe was so different. It was so much better. It was so much more closer to what I wanted to do because people would talk quite happily about getting creative. and what, what, you know, What's your finish? What's your character? And all this kind of stuff. That was never discussed before. And I was like, sweet, because then, then I was quite happy to, because I was like, fine, if you want me to do all this tech stuff, I'll do it. But as long as the end goal is that I have this character and stuff, because at that time and that moment, that's how I saw wrestling. And UBW was so good for that like so good for that and it was so fun and yeah i was hooked pretty quick because of ubw because everyone was like having fun with it and it was creative but obviously it was still like you're learning all the tech stuff and it's still like you can't jump off the corner until you've learned these basics but here is another incentive is that your character does these basics rather than you do these basics and i was like whoa and that mind made blown. sense to me. Yeah, mind blown. That's a really long answer. No, no, it's fine. I always find it interesting, and that's why I try and I like to let people just speak because I like to find out what makes them tick, what inspires them, and it's always interesting to hear which wrestlers or which styles or which characters have kind of connected. And you know, you go to to the likes of Scotty Tuhati rather than The Rock or Stone Cold. It wasn't the biggest, most impressive, most big name guys. It was a guy that connected with you. And I think that's a very organic thing. And also when you're talking about the, the Undertaker and Edge match and Edge himself, it's very clear that what draws you and what connects with you is not only character, but also believable and organic characters. Something that's not completely out of the realms of, of reality. Not that that's right or wrong, because everyone has different tastes and, and likes and everything. Some people just like the action. Some people like the kind of real gritty, grimy wrestler-wrestler uh, vibe. And that's absolutely fine. But I always find it very interesting because I think 
what drives you and what inspires you and what gets you into wrestling reflects on what you do from there onwards. I can normally see someone who's a pro and I can guess what their inspirations are. Or I can guess what kind of style they like to watch. You can just tell. And it's really interesting to hear that. And as you were saying about it, what kind of rang the bell with me and, and it might ring a bell with you as well. When you're saying that when you first went along and it, it wasn't the glitz and glamour, it wasn't the, the bright lights and it wasn't the entrances and it wasn't what you knew on TV. I would imagine it's kind of similar to people that first get into acting as extras and they think, oh, we're going to go along and we're going to have, I'm going to have this amazing day and I'm going to cut all these lines. I'm going to have these great parts. I'm going to have all these action scene. And you end up sitting around for nine hours and you might get to play a corpse. Absolutely. And it's, you have that for a long while while you're kind of cutting your teeth and you think you're going to be the next Robert De Niro and you're the next Robert De Zero. You're, you're nothing. You're just a, a an extra person. And, and I, I can imagine there's kind of parallels in that sense there. But I remember when you first came along and you, you <laughs> and this is no disrespect to everybody else on the roster, but when you look at the roster back then, um, everyone was a fairly average size, regular looking person. You wouldn't look twice at them in Tesco's. Then you walk in. 6162, jacked up, big beard, carrying yourself, st stood tall, posture and everything. And I'll never forget because Alex Knowles, our referee, was there. And as you walked in, he looked and he looked at me and he went, oh, a wrestler's just walked through the door. And I went, what do you mean? He went, well, an actual wrestler's in the building. What's going on here? And i never forget because when we first spoke to you about, oh, what's your history? And you went, no, I haven't done any shows and I haven't like done anything. And everyone went, no, no, really, what have you done? And nobody would believe that you had no past in wrestling because you looked apart so much. <laughs> I and remember. Was that? Yeah, I was going to say, I remember um, someone told me that Cruz, who used to train, um, and at that point was literally training me quite a lot because he was like helping with the beginners and that, um, didn't believe, he thought I was like a spy. Yeah. <laughs> like he <laughs> would not believe that I was, I was new. And I was like, I just want to wrestle, mate. And he was like, yeah, but where from? And I was yeah. like, what? what What would I spy on you for? Like, I had no idea. Several people thought that you were some kind of undercover spy or you were, you were, you were something clandestine because it didn't make sense that <laughs> it looks like this and he's picking stuff up this quick, but he's not already a wrestler. Didn't make any sense to anyone. But I remember you emailing the page and saying about coming down. You, I, it's interesting to me that you say about the atmosphere because – this is something I get from a lot of people. They say this, and, and it means a lot to me because when I started teaching there and tried to guide how we were going with the school, it was really important to me that it, it felt both comfortable and safe for people. When I first got into business, it was very much the old school mentality. They, they, they didn't take liberties with you, but they pushed you physically to see if you really wanted it. They didn't beat you up, but they gave you a bit of a roughing up, and they, they did a lot of this stuff to see if you wanted it and also to make sure that they didn't have time wasters get involved. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. It does build a lot of character. It also can be very toxic. And I've always been very careful to have a good mix of that. And I've known so many people that if I just turned around and said, Do you know what, you're not tough enough or you're not, you're not um, got the drive enough, you're not good for this, get out. I would have missed out on so many potential stars that have come along since because you're not, you have to shape it to them and they'll, they'll grow into it. They'll become what they need to be. And but it's really important that, that you said that, that you felt comfortable there, because that's what we always wanted. And of course, when you first come along, we were like, well, we can't make this guy comfortable because we could see him being a star. We could see straight away you had the right attitude. You had the drive and you had the even though you look like some kind of homeless surfer, you yeah. had 
you had the drive and you had, it's hard to put, you had a fire in your eyes that we knew, yeah, this guy wants it. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like I said, I'd been to other places and I, I kind of, you know, I, what was it? Oh, and, and not long after I, I went to you guys, I went to the very last Projo sessions as well. So I, I came to UBW and, I, and I, was, I, was, I said to myself, I was like, if I don't do this now and I don't stick with it, because I kind of realized that, okay, these kind of shows and sports halls and stuff, this is what you do for a while until you get good. And then you get to that point. And again, that's how my mind worked at the time. I've changed a lot since then, but this is, I'm telling you my like literal process. And so I went to UBW. I was like, this feels comfortable. There's still aspects of the other, other places. Of course there is. Um, the crash mats, the, the lack of ring at the time. Do you know what I mean? You know, all these things. I was like, where's the ring? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And how UBW has evolved, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, is wild. Um, so I came at a time when it was like where it was. And then since then, it's just evolved as I have. Um, so that's a really interesting thing to, to grow alongside. But yeah, so I did um, the Projo's final like Projo course as well, which again was very technical. But because I had UBW, I felt like I had the best of both worlds. So like the, the last Projo was so technical and all these like drills and, and all that. And I was like, this may, and also they did talk about the next steps and links and all this. And UBW though, I felt like I could fail and not be judged. And yeah, it did feel comfortable. And the thing is, it's hard because obviously, I guess I, I come in, in in moderately decent shape and I'm a certain height or whatever. Like people maybe didn't warm to me straight away. Like I can kind of like, like Tam's one of them at, at times. I don't feel like Tam spoke to me much at all. And like, I remember there was one time where, and Tam is Tommy Kyle for those listening. <laughs> yeah. So it, well, there was one time when he was asking you a question about character work and I was think, sat there and I was thinking, and I was like, oh, I feel like I can help. So he, like I've got something, but I don't know if I should. And I was like, no, I'll do it because I'm here. Right. And I've, I've got all these years of acting experience, acting training, acting classes, the, like films, theatre, all sorts, like touring theatre. It's not just all this. So I mentioned something and he proper snapped at me and he was like, don't you think I've tried that? And, and it just like moved on. I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I mean, I wasn't like devastated, but like, and now he's like one of my best mates in wrestling because we've all evolved and all this kind of stuff. But you do get that when you come in, no matter how friendly the place is, that people are feel like you're all fighting for the same spot, which in some cases you are. Yeah, realistically you are because I've said this to people before and I'm trying not, I'm not trying to be negative or, or down when I'm saying this to people, but I always try and make people understand that it, wrestling can be very cutthroat. Because at the end of the day, if there's 30 of you on a roster and there's one championship, one person can be that main event. And it may take a time for you to get there, but everyone's got to take their turns. And it's it's acceptance of that. It takes a lot of people a long while to accept that. But yeah, there is competitiveness. And what I've always pushed very hard for in UBW is I've got no problem with people having competition and having competitive, but don't have bitterness, don't have resentment because everyone's going to get a fair crack of the whip, but you've got to support everybody else. And if you don't support your, your fellow workers, then you're not part of the team. And UBW has survived as long as it has because of the team ethic to it and people actually wanting to make it work. Um, I've always said we don't have the money that, say, Progress or Rev Pro have. Sure. We don't have the links to the big boys that they do as well. So there's a lot more pressure on them to deliver an A-class product every time. 
all I want to do is deliver an A-class product for my audience at that time. Yeah. So if I'm in a small audience in Royston and there's 100 people there, they're going to get the best family show possible. If we're doing an over-18 show in Hitchin and it's a different kind of more hardcore edge, they're going to get the best show possible for that under that banner. But UBW has never been designed to be, we're going to be top of the pile. It's always been designed to be, let's start people off on the journey, get them as good as they can do, and then they go out there from there. Um, and it's, I think it was a great place for you to start because there wasn't that, like you say, there wasn't that pressure on you and you were able to learn and develop without having to know that, God, I've, I've got to give a, a seven-star match every time. No, you just got to go out there and be Crowley. Yeah, and but because of that, it's one of easily, easily one of the top promotions that I'm desperate to come back to as well. Like, you know, you present it as like this place to create people and allow them to feel comfortable and have fun and enjoy the process and therefore learn and, and while putting on a great show, which it absolutely is. But honestly, like I was, I was saying to Tommy Carl, I was like, I ge genuinely cannot wait for UBW because I've learned so much since. So I kind of want to do even more now because I'm like, look, I can, you know, the, 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 same, the same crowd of 100 people, they may have loved a show, but now I'm like, but I can do more. So like I can induce more emotion in these people and they'll be like, Oh my God, like I can't believe you've missed wrestling for over a year. And all yeah. the, and, and I know it's not just me is, you know, Tommy Carl's working his ass off. He's now like getting more muscular by the day he's training, you know, training when he can and all this, like, so, and so many people of the roster are doing things and keeping active and everyone's very keen to get back to UBW. So I know that for a fact. And that's great. And, you know, and, and to me and, and to the other people that are kind of behind the scenes running things, it means a tremendous amount because, you know, over the last few years, I've put more time and effort into making UBW work than I have my own personal life and and my own personal health because it's, it, well, as I, I, I mentioned to somebody the other day on, on a different podcast, um, and it's one of the reasons that I'm going through a, a, a therapy sessions at the moment, mm -hmm. is a hero complex that I have that I want to help other people. And UBW gives me that. If I can give somebody the chance to live their dream and they go off and off they go, that's great. Bobby Tyler w went off and she went to Japan and I never got a chance to get the best out of her during that period because she was too busy with it. I don't resent that. I'm happy for her because what I've managed to get from her in terms of as a talent is good enough because she's going out there and she's absolutely destroying the world. Not like Godzilla, but in a, in a, in a Bobby way possible. She might. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, in her own way. And that, that's the real world for me. Yeah, that's fair. And, but, but I think, yeah, and I know you know this. I'm not going to use this podcast to kiss your ass, but like no, no, it's go ahead, interesting. Go ahead, kiss, kiss. Go ahead please. <laughs> this is why we're here. Um, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, you must see it. Like you know, the amount of people you train and you know give to and and all this kind of stuff. The, the amount of people that have said, "Yeah, but Paul, can I wrestle you?" Yeah, but, but that's the thing because like the, the respect is so evident that like, everyone wants to wrestle you and you're like look I've got like five bumps in me and we're like <laughs> oh Paul come on like yeah. so that says a lot yeah and, and, and that's a tremendous tremendous compliment um you know I, I I don't have much left in me I'm hoping I can get healthy again and forget my neck sorted out we have to wait and see but Ooh. yeah I mean that does mean a tremendous amount I I don't take compliments well at all um so um I'll just say that that means a lot and we'll move on. I don't yeah, Okay, okay. <laughs> but when we first started out with Crowley, I remember talking to you and we were discussing kind of who Crowley was going to be. 
And I was very adamant from the beginning that we needed to capitalize on your acting experience because it was it would be crazy not to. But you were always so naturally and organically good at acting, unsurprisingly, that you had to be a larger-than-life character. And I think the first kind of iteration of Crowley, which was very much great showman-esque and very yeah. much kind of big, large, um, ringmaster-style character, we first started that out as a ring announcer. And I remember vividly the day that you were ring announcer for us, it was at Biggleswade, and I turned around, I think it was possibly to Cruz at the time, and I said, he's so good as a ring announcer, and it kills me because I can't keep him as one because he needs to be a wrestler because that kind of personality, that charisma, and that ability to be in front of 300 people and not care, have no jitters, and just be yourself with your top two buttons undone on your shirt, showing off your chest. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. It was straight away. Everyone was talking about you that show, and I'm it was good in a way because I knew that we had something on our hands. But it was also difficult because like I'd had a dozen, 15 people spend three hours out there putting it all on the line and everyone was <laughs> going, God, that ring announcer was good, wasn't he? And I'm like, okay, we got to do this. And I remember we kind of fast-tracked you on the shows to get you in there as quick as possible because I'm a big believer that you've got to have the foundations. You've got to know what you're doing, but there's no substitute for being out there and learning because you can learn all the techniques in the world when you're out there and you've got a time limit pushing against you and you've got to react to the crowd and you've got all these other stimuluses, stimuli, um, it's different and it all goes out the window and everything breaks down. You've got to be out there to experience it. Your first match that you did, the six-man match, yep. looking back, wasn't the greatest of the matches of your career. It was never going to be. No. But you definitely clicked and got over the people straight away on that. What are your memories of that match? Because I remember afterwards you were you were beating yourself up a little bit because there's a couple of things you tried that didn't work out. But the key thing for me on that match was never for you to come out of there get everyone going, oh my God, this guy's a polished item. It was always for people to go, that guy is going to be something. I want to see what he does next. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I often tell people I am... Um... You know, you could argue, depending on who you are, and a lot of people did think this, that I was on shows too early. Um, it was, you know, and obviously that was a mix of you putting me out there and me knowing from the acting world that I knew how to sell myself in such a way and market myself because you, oh my God, you've got to stand out, right? So that was, that was, when, when it came to that match, I remember I was so happy to be there because like you say, like the, the, if I wasn't on shows that early, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um, but I was so, the one thing I knew I had to smash, which I wouldn't normally be nervous about, was the promo before the match, where I was like, Paul, just please let me have the mic for a bit, because I know that bit I can do. So the, and, and I, and you know, I knew that that was going to get me over to some extent. And then the wrestling, I would just be damaging what I've done. Um, then I could just damage myself as least as little as possible. So I did the promo and I, I, I you know, brought out like Jethro and that, and like, I was really happy with that. And people were like, well, this is exciting. This guy's confident. And it got across to my character. But I tell you what, the actual match, it was funny because upon reflection, I, have, I had no idea what was going on. I remember um, uh, Dibs, who, who also was called Crowley, Crowley from the Swamp. Um, he, I was on, you know, it was a 3v3 tag. I was on the ropes. And I was doing stuff that just made sense to me that I watched on WWE. So I was like stomping to get the crowd going probably at the wrong times, but like, cause you know, now I know that maybe 
ID, you know, do it at a certain time to, for, for peak excitement and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, doing that, clapping and being vocal and looking at the crowd because that's all theatre. And I was like, this is I can, what I can do. But the idea was to keep me out of the ring for a while until eventually, you know, I get that tag. But he kept like going to attack me and I would just jump off. And then my mates were getting attacked in the ring, but I would just stand outside the ring and just watch them get beaten up rather than try and help them. Um, because I was like, hmm. And I was like, well, I don't really know the rules. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just literally that. I was like, I don't know what happens if I go in there now. And like, there was just so many factors I didn't have a clue about. I knew that I could bump. I knew that I could pick people up. So anyway, eventually it was my time to go in and I did what I did. A few spontaneous things that happened and maybe didn't go as well as planned, but you know, it was all okay. Everyone, no one was hurt or anything. And I've always prided myself in um, being safe no matter what I do. Sometimes it's too safe, but like, I want to hurt them just enough so I can win, you know, not so it ruins their career, but like, yeah. And then, and then it is what it is. And uh, got my finish. I was wearing these like very silky little white gloves that, and then he slipped and it didn't quite land right, but it was really exciting. It was re- I'll never forget it. That's for sure. And I don't really look at it now and I'm like, Oh, that was rubbish. I just think that was my first experience. <laughs> and like, I learned so much because I realized how little I knew. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's about that. It's about that perspective. You have to be in a situation where you're uncomfortable and yeah you realize, oh, yeah, this is a lot harder than I thought. Oh, yeah, I don't know what to do in this situation, that kind of thing. And I I won't name names, but there was one or two people beforehand that made it vocal that they weren't happy that you were getting all this time to put yourself over with this promo, and they weren't. And when you finished the promo, um, it was afterwards I, I turned around and I said, that's why he got that time, because look what he did with that minute or so he had to introduce himself Everyone bought into him. That's why he got the time. And that's why nobody else did. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. And, and I get that. And I can that. I can see how people get upset by it. And but and also it's worth saying that you didn't just give me give me time. I actually came in with a big idea in my head and you went, You've got like half that time. And I was like, Oh. <laughs> so I was like, Okay. <laughs> so whatever time I've got, I'll I'll capitalize on it. And I just did it quicker and shaved some bits. But but yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. But that's that's key. I mean, I'm a big, big believer in if some, if I feel someone is able to go out there and run with the ball, give them the ball. Yeah. If you fumble it, fine. We pick it up and we look back at what went wrong and we go again when you're ready and we eliminate what it, it's trial and error. But you don't know unless you try. And you've sometimes you just got to go in there and just all balls to the wall and give it a go. But I never doubted for a second that it was right to give you in there at the time that you were in there and to give you the opportunities and go from there because you can teach somebody for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in the school and they can learn all the moves. They can learn amazing reversals. They can learn all the technical wrestling in the world. If they can't connect with an audience on that kind of show, it's meaningless. And to quote somebody else, you can't teach that. (laughs) You cannot teach charisma. You cannot teach presence and you cannot teach the itch factors. And when someone's got that, you just need to get them out there and they learn the job on the job. Yeah. Yeah. What they did years ago. It's tricky because like there is a lot you ca- I think I remember I know that's a very, very uh, common saying in, in wrestling is that like if you struggle with the character side, I think people link that to hearing people say you can't teach charisma. Um, and it's interesting. You can you can 
teach charisma to a degree where you can fake it mm. um like which is you know so I, I think a lot of people are, oh no if you can't teach the character stuff then what am i going to do what can i do because a lot of wrestlers don't even consider that how much acting is involved and the performance size it's not like he's like well i'm not exactly going to go to acting school am i it's like but why wouldn't you if you really really felt like that is what you're lacking and you really want to be the top megastar then get your ass to acting school mm -hmm. but like not you know it costs so much money and all this and, and it's not people don't link it um and i'm not saying that's what you need to do but when i was in school um i didn't i wasn't interested in acting so my acting when i started i remember my mum was like yeah you'd be really good and i was like because mm, you know i had a I had, I had some charisma as a kid, you know, but on stage, I was like, oh, why am I here? Like, I don't want to do this. And my, came across my acting. I didn't care. I wasn't even thinking about the emotions or anything. So I wasn't a very good actor. Um, and but actually, that's why I stuck with it. And that's why I've ultimately ended up in wrestling is because I, it was the only subject in school where I saw this journey from from this mm. place to here. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, if I got that much better in this amount of time, then technically I will not, I haven't, you know, I'll just keep, I can keep getting better. And that's like tangible proof that I can be better. So I was like, I want to be the best actor ever. Like if I just keep going, I'll just get better and better and better. Mm. And that's really appealing to me. No other subject had that. Um, so, so yeah, like I hear what you're saying. And I know that is a class that is really, really, you can't teach natural charisma and all this kind of stuff. Cause you kind of personality trait, mm. but you, there is a lot you can do. And a lot, a lot of people oh, yeah. are saying, Oh, like, Crowley came along and he just did all this stuff. It's like, well, actually I had like eight years of acting behind me, acting experience where, like I said, with it's short, short student films to, to some TV stuff and like stuff that's been on cinema and all this kind of stuff. So actually I did have lots and lots of training. So it isn't just like an out of nowhere thing. But, um, but then the, I think going back to what you were saying about like teaching charisma and teaching presence and stuff, you can learn as an actor. And obviously you learn as an actor how to do that. But then there's different levels. For example, and I, I, I don't want to bury Vin Diesel here, but you look at Vin Diesel. When Vin Diesel is doing his gimmick either in uh, Fast and Furious or in Riddick and everything, he's big, he's jacked up, he's got the bald head. Nothing he's ever done has made me believe that if I met him in an alleyway, I'd be scared. You watch Anthony Hopkins at any point in any movie he does, he's terrifying. Even yeah. when he's being friendly, he's got that look. He's utterly terrifying to the point where if I met him in an alley and there's no way out of the alley, I'd, I'd just top myself because I would be scared of what he'd do. To get you. That's the difference of that kind of presence, that he's so believable Yeah, because he's so good at what he does. and He's got that innate charisma. Oh, yeah, but that's the thing. He, he, he just it clicks with him that he has to connect to what he's thinking, no matter what it is he's been told to think. Whereas Vin Diesel's given a script and he's like, these are the lines I've got to learn and this is what they mean. It's just a different approach, but it's how the mind works. And, you know, yeah. I, who knows what Vin Diesel could do if he did stuff. But I get you. That's a great example because Andy Hopkins, just unreal. Great choice. For me, like you look at method actors. Yeah. Method actors, they get in the character, they get into what they're doing and they, they go in. Some of them go into it way too much. But I've always said to everybody with wrestling, even if you're just starting out, you have to feel it. If you think it, it won't be organic if you can feel it and you feel how the crowd's changing. You feel what the crowd's going with. That's the difference. Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 19 is a great example. They listened to the crowd. They felt the crowd. They changed everything that was planned. And it was a masterpiece. 
And if you ha- if you can feel when you're in there and you feel when's the right time to do something or feel what's the right thing to do rather than, oh, what did I learn in lesson 35 at the school? Or what did I see this other person do? No, it's not a case of what should you do. It's what can you do? And when you feel it, you get more relaxed. And the more relaxed you are, the more it flows. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think you've, you kind of learned that over time because I think early on you were very worried about thinking a lot and really kind of mechanically but over time you've learned to feel it more and you can see it in you well that's yeah for sure i mean it all makes a lot more sense to me because like i said my 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 route in never never really thought about the actual wrestling like early days i thought right i've got don't get me wrong i enjoyed it I, I i love i love the actual wrestling like it's there's not there's no thrill like it but i all i i kind of thought to myself which is is an embarrassing thing but it's like i thought i've got to learn this bit to do the rest which is insanity because it is the foundation of what you're doing and the the literal the raw foundation of the story you're telling and i didn't i just couldn't grasp that for ages so that's why i was overthinking it because i was like you know it's like you know if you want to consider doing doing this in your match this will be effective this will you know the crowd will enjoy this and all that and i was just overthinking it all so much i wasn't thinking why all i knew that it was like this achieves this but i didn't look at like the i didn't break it down and think yeah but why and it's really hard because i don't know how you're you teach people it's almost like you wish you could teach everyone in day one all these things it just click i often think that and i'm just like oh how would i do it but you you can't because i heard you multiple times say yeah but why and all this kind of stuff and the stuff i think now but it just at some time some day along in the journey something clicks in the most weirdest of times like so much, so much has clicked for me uh, during lockdown, and and I don't even I thought I thought before lockdown on UBW shows I was I was like doing really well. I was really proud of what I was doing for the you know, and I was like I'm getting somewhere now, and the crowd really enjoying what was happening. And since then, I feel like I'm so much better because I get it. I get you know what why we do this, why we do that what's the intention and all this kind of stuff it just makes so much sense to me so yeah a lot of people have said that to me is a lot because i'm still doing like the online training sessions and we're match reviews and stuff but i've had so many people have said the same thing to me that since the lockdown and since wrestling's been taken away they've learned more and stuff's clicked for them and everyone clicks at a different pace i've seen people over the years some people get it within six months some people it takes in two or three years and it's different timelines for different reasons and different things make people click but i've known more people to say to me oh i understand so much more about it now and it makes so much more sense now because they've had time to take a step back and look at it from with a kind of half educated eyes now and learning a bit more and understanding a bit more of the the ins and outs of it they can look at it differently and then go ah oh ah now that makes sense and you've got time to divulge it and, and disseminate it and it's that's the one good thing that's come out of this but Thinking of your journey in UBW, I mean, early on, I mean, I'll be completely honest, early on, I was throwing you out there as an attraction. Mm. And what you were doing in the ring was always good, but it was never never my worry if it wasn't, oh, my God, his match was a five-star class. didn't matter yeah. because it was getting people to like you and care for you as a character. Now, that showed over time because I, I, I had a long-term vision with how the Crowley story was going to go. And you think that you captured Tag, uh, Young Lions, and British Heavyweight Championship all in the same kind of the year, all within six months of themselves, and all within just over a year of your debut. 
Uh, massive yeah. rise. Like nobody else had done it before. Yeah. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the UBW title lineage is, lineage is like the NWA championship, but we put a lot of value and faith into it. Yeah. It means something. But you had... It means, it, it means a huge amount, especially when that's the crowd that you've grown up with and that's the crowd that is your crowd. That yeah. will forever be Crowley's crowd. So yeah. so when you, when you achieve that, you're, you're given this the rub as they say because you're you're the you're the you're the face of the place it's like look we, we with pride we place you here exactly so it's a huge achievement anyway sorry carry but on. when well no this is fine but, but when you first started kind of kind of really making an impact was the match with, with uh, cj cj carter yeah that was the one that turned people onto you to go okay this guy has just gone out and hung with arguably the best most talented athlete on this roster and I remember vividly talking to people that I'd known for 20 years in the business and had seen you for the first time. And I was saying, that's his first singles match. No, it's not. Yeah, he's had one, maybe two matches before. Is that his first singles match? No, I don't believe that. And people literally would not believe me about it. But you and CJ had an, an unmistakable organic chemistry. And I knew that very early on, that this was something we could we could do a lot with over time. When you then went up the ranks and when you got the first championship as, a, as the show memes, the tag champions, the crowd erupted for it because they cared about you both as, as people and as characters because they'd, they'd grown up with you to a degree and they'd learned to care about who you were and they liked your journey. They'd seen you take on CJ and fall. So they cared about you as, oh, okay, well, even though he's lost, we've seen the heart in him. Then they saw you take people on and beat them. And they go, okay, this guy's really good. We can get behind him as a guy. And when you got the tag belts, they saw it as these are two guys that are out there having fun. They're like, they're more than just a team. They're two guys who are working almost like a edge and Christian is what I always used to think of you two like. Yeah. But you're just two guys that have got like an innate bond and you just, you just produce something when you're out there. Yeah. Now you cast your mind back to when you won the young lions belt. From um, Robbie Boy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Place erupted. Place absolutely erupted. I knew it would. I absolutely (laughs) saw what was going to happen, and they went mental for it. Then, when you got the main belt from Memes, again, the place went crazy because they'd seen your journey. They'd grown with this guy's just started out. He's following his dream. And he's had all these trials and tribulations and he's, we've seen him grow in front of us and he's now got to the big prize and they invested in it and they cared about it. And people were legitimately tearful, happy that you'd made it. And then you turned on memes and you made kids cry. Oh man. Which we'll get to in a second. Okay. okay. All I'm going to say is it was the most torn day of my life as a, as a promoter because the last (laughs) thing I want is upset kids but I looked out and saw four kids in the front row in tears that their hero had done this. And I smiled and I went, you cannot buy that kind of thing. You can't create that. You can't write that. That's an organic thing that, my God, we got so much more than we expected. But give me a bit more. I've, I've gone on. Tell us a bit more about that journey of you growing up, coming through the ranks, doing show memes, and getting to that fateful day when you ruined several children. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I did feel... Um... No, did I feel bad? I don't know. Um, weird, <laughs> very, very unique sense of achievement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so first of all, CJ Carter. That was my. I I think that was my second ever match. Um, 
I, I maybe I I'd, I'd had a outside match in UKPW, but I think it was after that. You know, I really do think because I remember like I after the first first that six man, I was like, Paul, when's the next one? When's the next one? And you were like, oh, listen, listen, like, I've got a lot of people to put in. I'm like, oh, God, you know, <laughs> and then the next show is too far away. Um, and I didn't know what the plan was for me. I don't think it was a singles at all. Uh, but I remember Toby Clements was supposed to be facing CJ. And he, well, unfortunately for him, he got injured, so he couldn't do it. And I know like CJ was pretty gutted because Toby's excellent. Um, and I heard that you'd asked him and said, look, I tell you what, this might be a really good opportunity. Can you do something with this guy? Crowley's new. And then CJ said, oh, yeah, I saw him. I saw him in training. Like, you know, that, yeah, I look forward to that. It's a bit different kind of match. Sure. I'll look after the kid kind of vibe. And oh, I was so nervous because I was I, I remember going out there. And, and since my first match, you know, a lot went wrong. But, you know, bits went right. And I was determined. I was like, this is my first ever one on one. Whatever I do in this, I've set the bar for myself for the rest of my life. If, if, I, if I smash this, then there's no reason why I should ever do worse. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I was like, I know what I'm capable of on day one of my first one-on-one. So I was like, right, I'm going to smash it. And yeah, went out there. And yeah, I mean, you know, obviously as someone that's still progressing, I look back and I, I see many, many faults of things I could do better but I, I can't help but think that way, unfortunately, sometimes to my own detriment. But like, it was, I was really proud of myself. Um, maybe not instantly, but like a little bit afterwards when I allow myself to relax, I was really proud of myself. Um, some, you know, and yeah, CJ is insanely good. And he was, he was so good in there with me and like, we put on a, a great match. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that match. I remember so many aspects of it. Um, I hit my finish the way I, I wanted to hit my finish. The match I did, the, you know, previous match I didn't. So that was amazing. And, and like CJ is someone I'm very close to. And he taught me so much and he supported me loads as well outside of UBW and uh, helped me get bookings in places and all sorts. So um, very special place for CJ Carter. Um, yeah, and I think in a way, I think you underplay that because you're, you're a good person and you're humble. But you underplay that. That match had everyone talking afterwards and it was a it was a really good match now that yeah cj is in my opinion one of the absolute best in the country and he's one of the one of the most unsung talents for that reason as well he's unbelievably good and i would think he could have a top level match with anyone he was put in there with he's that good yeah i agree but it does take two to tango and and i've seen people who are incredible in there with people that can't hang and they can't drag them up to it. Yeah. But you, what I think what helped as well was CJ controlled it a bit and he ring generaled and he was like, no, 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 we're not going to do this, 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 just this limit it. Let's have it sensible. And he let, uh, he kept a control on it. So to maximize what you were doing and your stuff looked great. I mean, that, that video bit of you hitting that spear was oh. highlight package material for a year. Well, that's the thing. It's one of the few things at that point I knew that I could do and do well was hit that spear in the way I hit that spear. Like, you know, I jump early, keep my feet together. It all makes sense to me. I don't know why. It just made sense to me. Um, and the way he took it like a beast, fair play to him. Like, you know, so yeah, it does take two and I, I get that. Um, but yeah, and that was great. And then I was, honestly, I was like, you know what? 
yeah, I can see improvements, but then onwards and upwards. And then memes comes along and we, we get on a lot in training. We get talking. We've got similar kind of humor. Um, and we're both quite creative people. So like, it's very easy to bounce ideas off memes. Um, so again, we just had like a chemistry outside of the ring and it just kind of made sense. And it kind of thought, you know what, this could be really fun. Um, and it was, and we created some great content. I looked at some of it not so re- uh, long ago, actually, of like all the like promos we did. And you can tell it's two people that are genuinely enjoying themselves and having fun, which I think is a huge factor of tag wrestling. The more I see about successful tag wrestling, it's like people that are usually genuinely happy with their tag partner. And then, you know, and at the time it was so perfect for me because I got to l- learn, but share the ring time. Yeah. And I know that was part of your cunning plan as well, but like it, it just, it was so perfect. And like the, the crowd was behind us. They enjoyed that. We put in that extra effort where others maybe don't or, and I'm not saying that's because of like a lazy thing. Others maybe don't know how or, or, or think, well, how could I, or no one will care and all this kind of stuff. It's like, we just did it because it was fun and we wanted to entertain. Uh, so it's someone that thought on my wavelength, um, <clears throat> especially at that time. Uh, yeah, and then we won the tag belts and the place lost it and it was great. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Like, what an adrenaline rush. Because I'd done theatre before and I love theatre. There's nothing like it. But wrestling is, is a very, it's like a variation of it that is so hard to explain because, like, you get this rush from theatre and you're putting in the, so many nuances and all sorts. And then there's wrestling, but then you're getting thrown around the place and there's even just this own it's his own beast it's really hard to explain um but you know when the crowd pops you've done something right and boy did they pop um so that was amazing and then yeah the time came to um win my first singles championship and that that day i will never forget because that you you, I was getting out now a little bit more. I was, I, was, I was trying to travel around and I was helping out other places to get bookings, to get more experience. And uh, still probably on, on shows, still too early, I'd argue, but, but not. I'm glad I was because I learned lots. But, you know, but I knew how to market. I knew I had to go out there. If I want to be successful, I've got to go. I'm, you know, I'm this age. I want to be here by this age. But you uh, very kindly gave me Rocky Mac um, earlier on in the show. And that was Crowley just wasn't good enough at that point. He kept losing and losing and losing. So Rocky Mack was this, you know, someone coming from the outside, super talented guy, really good with the crowd, great in-ring worker. And I was like, I'm going to learn so much. And then I won. And, and that pop was massive. Like that pop, the, the fact that the crowd finally saw Crowley win solo was wicked, which is why I absolutely love wrestlers that lose and i love storylines that lose uh like i love stuff like that like you know whatever their reason is for losing if maybe they're just like not good enough yet or they're they're not ready or they're not thinking this way or that way they're in a slump whatever that is so awesome because it's like that's reality man that this is what we're doing we're reflecting reality no one wins all the time so like when people finally saw Crowley pick up his first win, that I was feeling exactly what they're feeling. That's the real stuff that comes with wrestling. Like there's so many real things with wrestling. It's wild. People just don't see it, but that's fine. It's part of it, isn't it? But like, yeah, so that was huge. And like, oh, it was really emotional. And then 
I was all beaten up and battered. And then Robbie Boy's giving this promo and he's like, look, you know what? I'll put it on the line. I'm a cocky twat. Uh, and Robbie Boy's so good at that. He's so good at the cocky twat on the mic. And Robbie Boy, super underrated uh, wrestler. I, I, there's so many aspects to what he did. I actually really enjoyed and I loved watching. And I was like, ooh, I like that. And I, I really like play on my mind. Um, yeah. And then, I, you know, I, I, my music hit and I stumbled out. Like I just like sprinted for the opportunity. I'm battered. I'm bruised. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt from before. Legit. And my music came on the perfect time as I came through. And the crowd went mental. I will never forget that because I looked at him like breathing heavy. Like I've been through a war already. And I remember just looking at him and I was like, this is, this is an opportunity. I don't care what position I'm in. I've got to take this because I was in it. I was in it. And, and, and in every sense, it's so true. It was an opportunity for me. And the crowd went mental. They just see me. They probably didn't expect me to come out. Do you know what I mean? So, oh man, I'm just getting shivers thinking about it. I'm cold right now. And then like, yeah, the match started and, you know, and went for it and, you know, it was back and forth. And then, Managed to pick up the win and the crowd, poor crowd, like again, another huge pop, but they must have been exhausted because they, it was like the that was like a very, very Crowley day. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure some people at the back were like, bloody hell, Crowley show. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Normally I'd be like, yeah, bloody hell. But also I was like, I, I can't lie to you. This, this, I've, this is amazing. And this was like, that day was my, my spotlight day and there's there obviously there's lots of other great things but like for me i was aware of the opportunities i was being given and i was very grateful for them and i feel like i capitalized on them which i'm so happy about and yeah the, the young lions belt the pop was huge and i was so emotional and the crowd were emotional and i'll never forget that day that was that was the uh, those accumulated but like me stepping out when my music hits when i was the one to even go for it let alone win it that pop i'll never forget and that whole day, I'll never forget. That is with me forever. And that's the beautiful thing about wrestling is that so many people that are into wrestling have that kind of moment where they're telling a story and they say, I'll never forget that day. And that day is mine for sure. It's almost like that, that whole kind of story that Crowley went through was, was planned to perfection almost. It's funny, yeah, that. Yeah, it's oh, weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I always try and treat the Young Lions belt like they used to treat the Intercontinental belt back in the 90s. It's the it's the tester. It's the litmus test for if a person gets over with this, they can be the main event. And I, I always knew you were going to be a main event guy, but I wanted you to go through it because it, it's the hero's journey. And it's in, it's in every movie. It's in every book. It's, it goes back to ancient Greek times. The hero has to have trials and tribulations. The hero has to have doubt in themselves. The hero has to have something that then reaffirms their faith in themselves and they get reinvigorated and they get new new power to push through and then they overcome the odds people buy into that so much more i always as you know i always use movies as analogies when i'm, I'm teaching and training you do my heart's a perfect example this is why um bruce willis and and schwarzenegger and and even the rock are bigger action stars than Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal never got hurt. He never got bloodied. He never got beaten. He never looked in danger. At the end of Die Hard, it's a miracle that he's even still alive, let alone wins the fight at the end. And it's that hero's journey and what he goes through that makes him connect. And it had the exact same thing with you. You you were my, my John McClane. You were going through all these trials and tribulations. You were making it through this. 
and it was on your journey beyond there. And, and this was the stepping stone to it. And this was literally, as that happened, I remember looking at, I can't remember who was with me at the time, but I remember looking at them going, that's it. That's the final piece of the puzzle about to be in place now. We've got it set. This is what I wanted. Everyone's bought into it. Now we go. And then the dastardly plan unveiled from there. Yeah. 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 And it all made sense to me. And it all clicked with me. Like your plan, you're quite transparent with a lot of it. Not all of it, because you like to just, you know, room for change. But like, um, it made sense to me because that's a storyline. So I can follow that. That's that's might be in my life. So it's like, here's the script. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna because but the beautiful thing about wrestling is you don't follow a script. You, you're you're given like a skeleton thing. It's like here's what we we want from you, and then you do your thing. You go out there and you just do it, and in your way. And that's the beautiful thing that you don't get in other places. Love. Oh, here's, here's a Lego blocks. Go and create me something. Go and create me a house. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, then, and of course, you went into the match with Memes, who was champion at the time, and I remember it was a lot of fans there who were torn on the day because they loved you both so much and. They didn't want to not cheer for either of you, but there was a lot of fans that wanted you to win so much, but didn't want memes to lose. And it was very interesting. And, and some of them are very torn. And it's always very hard when you've got two people who are heroes or good guys in the eyes of the fans going against one another. It can sometimes fall flat on its face. But I think with that match, you both made a point of calling to your strengths and pulling lots of show memes elements into it. And then once you'd got through those bits, you went into the actual fight itself. And then by that point, they they bought into it. They understood they were going to see a fight and a competition. They'd seen what they wanted. They, they'd seen the fact that you two were friends, that you had this history. You didn't just go in there and start beating each other up because there was no reason to. And it, it evolved into a fight from there. And I remember about two minutes from the end of that, I was in the crowd and I could literally feel an emotion from people. And I could feel that tornness of, oh, my God, Crowley, come on, Crowley, do it. But but don't hurt him in the process. And I hope you can still be friends afterwards. And then, of course, you got the win. The place went crazy. Your, your hero's journey is complete. You've got to the top. First ever person to be a triple crown holder in UBW. First person to climb UBW that quickly. And do it all in front of these people over the course of a year following your story. And they were so happy for you. And then... You and memes kind of hugged afterwards and they knew that the show memes were still a thing. You're still great friends. It was a wonderful, almost Cinderella story, fairy tale ending. And then take the people through what happened, Crowley. <laughs> T he. Um, yeah, I um well I uh speared him, didn't I? And then uh Ode to Edge gave him a little concerto for his troubles. Um and I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> People were shocked. People were legitimately shocked that they well, saw the viciousness out of you. That they'd never seen before. Like, this is brand new. So they'd been through that confusing roller coaster of a journey. And, you know, they liked us both, but I guess you can't help but you want to see the underdog win. And even though I wasn't the underdog underdog, we were, like, equals by that point. But Memes was the champion, so we're not. Do you know what I mean? Like, He's like, it's all well and good, you be, you know, but he, wait, he was the champion, was he? He was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't for like, it wasn't like, yeah. So Memes was presented at this higher level and I'm like, and he wasn't, he was at this higher level and he'd been there longer and all this kind of stuff. It made sense. So people, I think, did want me to win because it's that kind of like, we want to see the, the guy that hasn't got it, get it. Exactly. Um, 
and then but they were obviously so torn but then i did get it there's that little bit of like okay with the satisfaction and yeah like you're right they, they, are they gonna hug and they did and all this kind of stuff and and so they're, they're on a high and and uh, you know the I'd, whole point of this was the moment everyone's so on a high i wanted to and we and i wanted to shock. ruin their lives yeah absolutely <laughs> but it's also to, it's to shock because it's kind of like this is the point it's like now like Crowley knows his worth. I know my worth. Yeah. And that, that was built into that story because it's like, you know, I don't want to be a tag anymore. I don't want to be known as the, the, the one that makes jokes at the side. Mm. Like I know how good I am. And yes, I got here at being all lovey dovey fun and happy, but imagine what I could do if I, if I wasn't all joking around and stuff. So that's the whole point. And that, that's all true. Um, all so true. There's so much truth to these stories and this planning. Um, and I love that. Um, so yeah. And then, um, my partner at the time, um, they came to speak to me and they said, and that's the first time they'd ever seen any, uh, professional wrestling. And, um, they said, well, I thought it was, I'm, I don't really know what to think. And I, Cause they, <laughs> I was incredibly entertained, but I, you should know that there's like at least four or five children in absolute tears. Yeah. And I've just seen a mum holding her kid, screaming outside, bawling its eyes out. And the mum's going, shh, 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 shh. like, and she's like, they are going to not sleep tonight. And, and there, there was one fan and she, she has like the Crowley top on. I don't know. She's like 11. Mm. I don't know how old kids are, Paul. And like, they're just small and, humans. I don't know. Exactly. And, um, but she's so lovely. She's always supported me. She's always like, Oh yeah, crowd, let me hold your hat. And I'm like, all right, just give it back. Um, and, but she was devastated, yeah. devastated. And, and, and I, I made sure I didn't come out of the locker room after that until everyone was gone. Um, she, oh my, yeah, she was heartbroken. Yeah. Um, but that's, it's, it's storytelling, isn't it? And, and again, it it's is. reality stories aren't just all sunshine and rainbows and uh, loved every second of it. And I was very proud of that because we told a great story that day and, and it was a brutal end. That, it is, and you've got to have that connection. I think we've seen like, you know, I'm a big fan of Roman Reigns, but it is an example. You can't force people to like or dislike someone. Yeah. And you had people there that, that loved you and adored you that would literally, I was expecting people to come up to me sometimes and going, please, my daughter, let me, let him marry her, please. <laughs> After that, they were just like, I, I can't cheer for this guy. And at first, there was a concern that you were so popular that they weren't going to boo you. Oh, they had no trouble. They had no problems booing you at all because you you did the key thing. You turned it around on them and your promo after the match made it very clear that you used them to get to that point. And people were always ready against that. And I, th I thought at the time, like I say, I was very torn because I was like, Oh my god, we've made kids cry. <laughs> we've, we've really made kids cry, but at the same time, boy, have we got something on our hands here? Well, that's and the it, thing. Like, I always feel like you say you can't force people to like or dislike people. I think people have to make their own mind first, and you can guide people to think a certain way of someone. But like Roman Reigns, people just want you needed to make their own mind up about him. And then you know when he went away from the Shield, he was just like still a shield guy but without anyone else and it's like well hold on we know nothing we might know more about the other two we like that one we don't like that one who's this 
And they're like, no, this is the one you love. And it's like, what? how? Why? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, just, and also, take his vest off. He's gorgeous. Why is his vest still on? Like, honestly, little things like that bug my mind. Anyway, enough about Roman Reigns. But like, people had a year to get to know who they thought Crowley is. But these people, they see me how frequently they don't truly know who Crowley is. And I don't think anyone truly knows who Crowley is except me. And even me, there's developments all the time. Like people mature, people change. And that's the beauty of it. Like it got to that point where they hadn't seen this version of Crowley before. And that's why they were happy to boo because they went, who's that? Who's taken over Crowley? I'm like, oh, you have no idea. I've always been like this. Yeah. And they're like, whoa. And they question everything. And that's so exciting. Well, I think when fans connect with someone, it's literally a relationship. And it's literally like that was like being cheated on to a lot of people. Yeah, I bet. It was, yeah, it was incredible. And I think what went on from there really added to it because obviously we then went full circle and came back to CJ. And by this point, CJ was different. CJ had kind of won the fans over and very much had changed his angle and his his position and where he was doing. He wasn't against the fans anymore. And they were they were cheering him for a while beforehand because he was just so, so good. But then they had a reason to like him. And then it came round to Crowley and CJ again. But this time they were on different sides of the fence. And going into that match with CJ was, again, story-wise, it was built to this point that you'd face CJ at this point two, three, four times in singles and tags. You'd never beaten him. Yeah. You'd never, ever, ever, ever been able to get the win over him. So going into this, even though you'd had this meteoric rise and you'd got to the top, CJ had been there before and CJ had beaten you every time. And this was everything on the line. And it was not just the championship, but it was, it was that, you know, can you prove it to yourself? This for you, yeah, you can get all the wins in the world, but unless you can beat CJ, everything almost kind of means nothing. Yeah. And for him as well, it was like, I've got this perfect record on the line. I can't lose to Crowley. And going into that, I think people were as much invested in that as they were in the You and Memes match, if not more, because I, they'd had this feud going for so long. And I remember June going into it, there was a concern that how are you going to be able to top what you'd done before? I knew you would. But on the night, it delivered and then some. Take me through that as well. Give me a bit of feedback on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's really poetic, that one, because obviously it's my first singles match. So um, <clears throat> I almost see the six-man as like a kind of trial, like little test, and it was like pre-Crowley. Um, still Crowley, but, you know, finding his feet. This, the one-on-one was my second UBW match, and that was like, I see that as like a very clean, clear debut of Crowley with his proper gear and he's professional. He's not just some guy figuring out if he wants to do this. And, you know, I never expected to win that, but we put on a show. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, I, I traveled outside of UBW with Chris to other places and we um, wrestled and, and again, because I learned so much from him. So it's a very interesting build and people know this. We made it very clear to people. It's like another, another, win for cj because it is what it is um it's such a good story because like yes the he's now has the championship crowley's at the top of the mountain but he's taken a journey that has avoided cj carter now if he'd taken the journey that included cj carter would he have got to the top mm -hmm. um and that question's lying there and it's hard because it did kind of feel like you know i was facing some really talented 
people I, I faced bobby and i absolutely adored that match like i had so oh, that was such a fun match for me um i really really enjoyed that but cj was like a like the, the crowd was it was that story being told for a long time and yeah and, and and eventually the champion has to fall right and no and up to this point i don't know how long the previous championship reign was but i was on my way to becoming the longest reigning it was champion. about defenses nobody had ever defended four That's times successful and this was also another thing on the line that if you were to win this you would go into record books again as being the first person to successfully defend the british championship four times nobody had ever done it everyone had failed either the fourth or before yeah yeah and which, and which is such a cool thing because that suggests that the storytelling is still good and the character work is still good and all this kind of stuff because it is a usually indication it's like look you're doing great you you've you face these people but we need to move on because the story's hard to tell. Um, so at that point, it was still thriving, and that was a huge win. But but this was the biggest story, and, and this felt like the end of a story. Um, and that's the beauty of it because people were like genuinely like this. If who else is there? There is no one else. And see if anyone, it's CJ. And um, and then the presentation of that match, and he came out in his coffin. Everything was so epic. It really felt like a big deal. It felt like a UBW WrestleMania vibe. It was a WrestleMania, like, yeah. It was awesome. Um, and I've watched that match back multiple times. Again, classic me. I'm like, yeah, well, I do this differently, do this differently, and all this kind of stuff. But like, I am so proud of that. That I again did so many things I hadn't done before. We both went all out. Um, we really hit each other in that match and you can see and we did some tremendous stuff and um, yeah the crowd was so so torn they just really didn't want this twat version of Crowley to carry on um, and somehow managed to scrape through with a lot of cheating but on paper Crowley finally won mm. so and yeah I, could, I was in the crowd for that because I, I try and get in the crowd when I can do. I'll try and manage backstage but I try and be out there for the big ones yeah and the feeling in the crowd as he got further and further into the match and we got closer and closer towards the pinnacle, I could literally feel people's emotions. And when you beat CJ and you finally overcame that demon, I could feel a deflation. It literally was like the air was let out of the place because everyone was just like, oh, if CJ can't do it, nobody can. And, yeah. and you'd beaten Memes, you'd beaten Percy, you'd beaten um, Bobby. Everyone believed that nobody... This, this guy's going to reign forever. Nobody can top this guy. And I could feel a few people actually getting that kind of realisation of like, geez, what's the future going to hold? He's, yeah. he's never going to drop this belt. What's going to happen? How much more are we going to have to suffer with this? Yeah, and don't forget I beat Simon Miller, who's a giant oh, beast. Simon Miller as well, of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. It just felt endless after that. People are like, oh, he will, he will reign forever. And that's like a really slight sense of foreboding of yeah. what's next. So, yeah. But, of course, that chapter was uh, a bit shorter than expected, wasn't it? Yeah, sure was. Um, yeah. I mean, um, Spike Valentine, he, he wins his oppor opportunity at the title. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Heel Crowley, this is the issue with Heel Crowley, is that um, egotistical, especially that version of him at that, and me at that point, it's like, it's kind of like, well, honestly, it's like, you're all thinking this is endless. I'm thinking this is endless. So with that mindset, it's kind of like you just get unstoppable. How many times can you come out on top and think, well, you're right. I agree with you all. Like 
because my biggest my biggest fear genuinely is is delusion i feel like delusion and so many people are so delusioned of where they can get to what's achievable and what's not no matter what um and at that point i'd gotten a little bit delusional and it was just a matter of like i'm i am this isn't gonna end um yeah and then the beauty of that is that like spike had no idea i was gonna come out and like legit he had absolutely no idea yeah i'll jump in here for a sec and uh, you know we you're, you're much like me that, that keeping stories and keeping kayfabe is very important. But I think this is one time that we blow those those walls down completely because we'd spoken before about this mm. and it was always planned that, that Spike was going to be the successful heir to you. And the idea came up and I'm, I'm, I don't think it was mine. I think it was yours. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And the idea came up of doing it this way. And for me as well, there was a bit of poetic in there because your singles ascent from Robbie Boy was you making an on-the-spot challenge and him going, all right, let's do it now then, and that backfiring on him. Absolutely. That, when you did the same, it, it kind of went in a, in a similar way. But I remember on the day, me and you spoke about it, and for the listeners, Spike knew he was going to be challenging for the belt in the upcoming time soon. He had no idea how soon. No idea what was going to be happening. As far as he was understood, he's won the match. Now we go backstage. But then something different happened. Take us through it. Yeah, it was great because that same day I was talking to him and I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that at the um, the end of the show I was going to come out and we were going to have a match. And this was the, uh, this was the end for me, but the beginning for him. And, you know, he'd been around a lot longer than me. He's a very, very talented guy. He can do so many things that I can't do. Um, and he w w absolutely deserves it. Um, and he's very liked by the UBW fans as well. So, like, it, was, it just all made so much sense. But loved the idea of springing it on him completely out of the blue. And, like, literally, he just, at the end of the show, he thought, this is it. I'm going to end the show with my arm raised for winning an opportunity. And the, and the curtains close. Before that, I just kind of I wanted to do a few things to him that <laughs> I wanted to make sure that he he knew he could deal with in the moment. Mm. Um, and I went up to him. I was like, "Hey, man, listen, I'm just. Can you help me out?" I was like, "I'm thinking, right? You know, my my finish is the crossroads. If I wanted to, if I had someone decide to do that on me out out of nowhere, how what's a good way of getting out of it? You know, because this is all legit stuff." And he was like. Oh yeah, interesting. Okay, so probably like this, and then you know that's a good way. I was like, mate, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I walked away like, good. So he knows how to get out of it and put it into his own. So that's all I needed to know. I was like, right, and I was really excited because I I had enough experience at this point to finally improv everything that people are watching. And uh, even though it was a small thing, that was still a story, a great story told in a short period of time. Anyway, went out there. Uh, and my music played or whatever and I came out and I delivered a promo and literally he was looking at me like what like he, he's probably assuming that I, I'm going to end the show he's like fine Crowley's going to bloody end the show uh, and I'm like oh I'll see you next show and all this kind of stuff and I, I just got in the ring and I was like you know what and I gave a big thing about how you know obviously I'm going to be in WWE one day so let's just cut to the point there's no one here that can beat me um, so just to prove a point, I'm going to put the championship on the line right now. And honestly, I remember his face 
and he was looking at me and he was just frowning. Like he wasn't even really being spike. He was just, he was just like, and he just was looking at me and he, and he was, and he, and he was looking at me as if to, I could almost hear him in his head saying, can you tell me what's going on, mate? And he was looking at me like, what? what, what? And I was like, right. And I gave the belt to the championship belt to um, the referee. And then the bell went and uh, <laughs> yeah, Spike was just like frozen. Like what the hell is going on? He was in his championship match and um, yeah, and I speared him <laughs> and, and you know, I just ran at him and he was like, ah, so like, what are you going to do? You're going to take that. You can't not. Um, yeah. And then, we kind of went through it and went through the motions and we, we, we read each other's minds and we body language and kind of did what we did. We worked together and it was an amazing experience. And, um, you know, he's a smart guy. So he would have clicked that I got him in the crossroads and like he thought about earlier, he's like, all oh, right. Okay. I see. That was like a hint of what, uh, if I ever find myself in this position, this is what I do. And he did. And then he hit it on me. Uh, and I took it like a champ on my way out. <laughs> And um, and yeah, and 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 Sp- and Spike wins. Later, yeah, yeah, and and again, the the place lost it. I think they were pretty exhausted as well. So like they they were, and and um, he was incredibly emotional. And then I left feeling very very proud of everything I'd done up until till that point. It was special, and it was it was for me. There was an element of fear because we were just letting it happen, and there was no planning. There was no understanding and it was like this this is literally going to be second by half second by half second as to whether this lives or dies and there was a lot of faith to put <laughs> in some poor bugger that doesn't know what's going on um but i knew that the pair of you would be able to do it and you would be able to to even though you had less experience than him you could take him through that and yeah the place went absolutely to quote pat patterson the place went banana they went nuts because they saw this guy they'd learn to hate get vanquished and the ultimate underdog in spite of Valentine win it. And I remember just looking at him and I, I got in the ring afterwards to put the belt on him and he was, he was in pieces, yeah. just the emotions. And all I remember is just hugging him going, this is your moment. I'm getting out. Stay as long as you want. And yeah. got out the ring and just let him have his moment. And like, this is about you. And the whole time you're working it on the, on the apron and on the rampway and you're all the way back to the curtain. And I remember him getting back and just looking at you and going, what? <laughs> what was that about? Yeah. So he, he, he got back and he, and he looked at me and, and, you know, he'd been, he was so emotional and he just, he looked at me and the first thing he just gave me this big hug and he said nothing. And I was like, nice one, man. That was I'll never forget that. And I, I was saying, because I will, I'll never forget that. I was, I, like you say, on, on the apron, I was devastated. I was looking at him like my whole life had flashed before my eyes because that was gone. Everything up until that point, all my achievements are just, this, this was the pinnacle. And, and, I, and you knew that I needed to take a break. You knew that I was burnt out. Um, and not from UBW, from, from wrestling. Like I, I, I was working so hard. I was getting everywhere. I was exhausted. There was shows where I was just really struggling because I wasn't being able to, keep up with that and my outside life and acting and auditions and all this. And I was really, really burnt out. I needed a break. And it was all very real. Like, you know, even if we say like kayfabe, no kayfabe, it's always, there's always this element of reality to it. But yeah, I just gave him a hug. I said, I'll never forget that. And I was like, you happy? 
And he just nodded. He was like, yeah, I'm happy. And I was like, legend. <laughs> like, it was, it was we didn't say much to each other after that. And <laughs> it was really, I think it's just because it was just so much. Yeah, it was an amazing moment. And it's one of the proudest things I've ever done in, in the 20 odd years that I've been in wrestling. It was because it was, it was organic, totally organic. And it was a very, it was a good story. And it, 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 it ticked a lot of boxes at the same time. It helped take the pressure off of you and give you that break you needed. Um, and kind of start getting you back to where you needed to be. It did everything that we needed to do in terms of your full circle. Um, we told some great story, story points along the way and it ushered in a new, a new kind of era. I mean, I did say to, to Spike recently that the minute after he won the belt, the pandemic hit. Yes. Clearly this is something like, you know, when, when you upset God and he sends locusts. Yeah. So the pandemic is completely his fault and you know, he's killed wrestling. But apart from that, it was good fun at the time. Yeah. I mean, I go, you know, I gave him that great opportunity and what's he given me? He told, he told me that, um, uh, a sex taser exists. That's something. <laughs> so I think that's a fair, fair that's trade. A really, really good name for a wrestler as well. <gasps> sex taser. Sex taser 3000. Ooh, 3000. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, apart from the, the fantastic story that we've told in UBW today, and we've, I've got some ideas for when we can ever return to shows and I'm looking forward to the next chapter of Crowley, but we'll, we'll unwrap yeah. that one when we get to it, but feel, so go on. I was, I was just going to say, yeah, I feel like I've got a lot more to give um, and I'm excited for the future. So I look forward to that when we can. Yeah. You've had a chance to recharge. And I think the next stage for everyone is going to be a real kind of, it's going to be like a Pokemon evolution for a lot of people. And it's, oh, it's going to be good. The UBW roster's sick. Like, and, and it's even better now. Like I said, Tommy Kyle's like, he's just getting more muscular and getting better than he, which is nuts. Cause he's insane. Um, and like, you know, you've got sassy bear that he's constantly training and like, Pat, you know, Paddy O'Connor, he's losing his mind. Um, so like, <laughs> but that even more so, so that's interesting. <laughs> so honestly, the roster's very good. And obviously you bring in talent outside as well. And, and the, the production, uh, with Greg and that has evolved immensely. It's changed the game for everyone because we wouldn't be able to put out stuff like we could before without that. So huge. And the training facility, massive. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for when we can finally return. And I think, you know, everyone's going to be so excited, but I think everyone's going to have their year when we get back. Yeah. So aside from that, and the fact that you have completely set the UK scene alight for the past couple of years, everyone's wanted a piece of Crowley. Everyone's had Crowley somewhere. You've been the one person that everyone's been talking about. Last year, obviously, was a bit of a throwaway year because the pandemic, everything stopped, training, shows, everything just went to pieces. And I know from a lot of people I was talking to, a lot of people were really kind of starting to lose their faith in wrestling and lose their mind in wrestling. There was a lot of negative things that happened last year as well. And a lot of people were kind of giving up on wrestling and they, they desperately needed something to help them cling on to it. And then Crowley comes along with this concept idea of you are cordially invited, which you planned for New Year's Eve to finish the year off. And it got a tremendous amount of buzz around the internet scene around it. And you produced something that I think most people thought was impossible because you basically made a mini movie with a bunch of wrestlers, the kind of stuff that normally would need millions of dollars and you wouldn't be able to pull off. But you pulled off something that I think completely rewrote the game. Since WrestleMania last year, cinematic matches have been a thing. We've had 
the Boneyard match. We had everything um, that Bray Wyatt's done. And everyone else is trying to do cinematic versions of stuff. But your call to the invited was very different because it went in a completely different way. And it wasn't a wrestling match. It was a fight. And for those of you that are listening that haven't seen it, you need to find this. You need to look it up. You are cordially invited. Crowley, Bobby Tyler, um, who, who are the other, everyone else is G- it? There was Gene, Warren Banks. Gene Money, Warren, Warren Banks. Banks. Session Moth, yeah, like Mad Kurt, loads of people, uh, a, su- a surprise entrant that uh, um, is a very well, big name. It'll, it'll be a good thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, 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 and yeah, yeah. So that happened because, I, you know, we were at a point where everyone was so negative and understandably so. Um, and everyone was really losing faith in the scene. And I was like, no, I've just got here. Like, and th- that was the selfish part of me. Like, no, cause but I, I was negative as well. I, I didn't, at one point I was like, well, I don't think I want to come back to this, but, um, but that's the funny thing. Like you didn't make that to try and get yourself over or to have something on your resume or to be like, Hey, I'm going to create something for content. No, you made it for the brotherhood, the sisterhood of the wrestling community and the fans. You made it for them to say, look, we can't wrestle. We can't put on shows, but we can do this. Well, that's exactly. I, I it was definitely a business mindset. It, well, it was weird that the initial thing was because I could see that people were negative, and yet they were still on Twitter. So they were still there, but they were just voicing negativity because they had nothing else to talk about. Everyone would be had their trust broken. So that's what started it. And then what I mean by the business mindset is, I was like, what can I do in this limited time? to create something that gets out to as many of these people as possible. And therefore it has to be marketed in such a way. So I put on like business hat and they were like my goals. Um, And yes, was I going to be a part of it? Yeah. Because I want to be. And I thought I would add to it as well. Like I've, I've been a part of acting and writing and producing and stuff long enough to know that people put themselves in positions that they shouldn't be in and that squeezed in. Um, but no, I, I like to have I trust in myself that I would be self-aware enough to do that. Um, but yeah, and then I just wanted to, I was like, you know, if I can make something, is it going to get heat? Is it going to get like attacked for whatever reason? Probably because you're putting something out into Sea of Sharks at this point. And it's like, well, what do you expect? So I was ready for it. But I also, I've spoken to a few promotions as well, like some top promotions that I, I was talking to just because, before it all stopped i was going to be working with them and they were saying it's so hard like what how do we come back in, in this time and i went i get it i completely do and i said but I, I totally think it's easy for me to say a promotion is very different but i was like i think people need to just do it and understand it's not going to be the same but if if you really love this so much you have to chip away and if we can make it a slightly more positive environment then we're laughing and hopefully from this because you have to you can't ignore the negativity you've got to acknowledge why it's happened those we never learn and we've learned a huge deal and the place is better off because of it um but yeah so it was a matter of like well look i'm gonna make something and and a lot of people i think will like this some of them might not but i'm gonna just do my best and then i the tester was to put out like an indiegogo campaign say look who'd be interested i feel like you will be his descriptions and um yeah and then it got the funding. It, got, it ended up having £1,200 funded from people. And then I realized, oh, 
this isn't much in in film world and i was like oh no um you like sorting out all the the wages of everybody um you know so then i had to basically match that myself with my company money and money i'd saved and i was like but I, and i did question myself i was like this this makes it harder when people are gonna shit all over it um so anyway but i did that and i was like right i'm gonna i'm gonna get people i'm gonna get unique people i was very specific with who i picked i want people that uh, have followings from all around the place but also have followings that i i rate as well and there were so many people to pick from like if people weren't picked it was just more of a matter of like i could only have a certain few especially because of covid uh it may have looked like chaos but there was a lot of covid restrictions in place um a lot a lot of paperwork and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, and then got wrestlers over and it was hard to pitch to the wrestlers because I'm saying, look, there'll be these great cameras. It will look like this. And they're like, yeah, well, it's, it's indie British indie scene, especially during this time. No one's faith was high. Mm. And, you know, they knew what the, the Boneyard match was, but this isn't going to be like the Boneyard match. It, I, 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 I didn't massively rate the Boneyard match. I found it entertaining. I thought it was great for the time because undertaker and all that i thought this is actually really really good i but i didn't i didn't rate it in the idea that that's what wrestling is going to be moving forwards i was like no i like it as like a uh special attraction hmm. uh, you know that's great and then if they're like that then awesome there's a place but i, th- I wanted this to be different i wanted this to be more like a, a wrestling experience um but then they got there and they saw these like massive cameras that i'd got in from contacts and years of doing this and um you know all all this kit and all this lighting and they were like whoa and then like all this food as well they were like wow this and you know and they were back in a locker room this is the first time they'd been in a locker room for so long um the vibe was amazing i also was very very picky in regards to picking people that i thought would be positive and be really like happy to be there and just a positive vibe on set uh which i which succeeded everyone was um and it was opportunity to put absolutely everyone over every time you see a face in that film someone somewhere popped like someone was like oh i haven't seen them in ages and it highlights people that deserve to be highlighted uh, for whether it's because people miss them or because they're more new and they deserve a spot um, it was amazing. It put, I, I feel like it put everyone over going into 2021 when I was hoping it'd be a bit more active. Even at this point, I was hoping it'd be a bit more active, um, but optimistic. Um, but like going into 2021 and they're the faces you remember, all of us that have got together. And it's like, you think, and you know, Brit Rest is dead. You hear it all the time. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll make something that really, if you think Brit Rest is dead, I will show you that Brit Rest is dead in the most creative most like unique way possible highlighting how much talent is there i will really put a nail in this coffin um and that's what i did the thing is yeah it's a long road back for a lot of reasons and there's a lot of work to be done and what we go back to is not gonna be like anything we've ever had before and i've i've been around the business 25 years almost and it's gonna be something like we've never seen before but it has to start somewhere and something like you're cordially invited can be the springboarding off point for it because it can show everyone that, you know what, there's still talent there and there's still good people there. And there's still people that the minute they get a chance to show, they're going to do it. And maybe there'll be a, a part two of that down the line with even different people in it. Who knows? But it showed that we can do more and there's all you need is people to believe in it. And I think 
like UBW's shown that to a degree that we're on a shoestring budget. We live show to show, but we've had stuff we've put on like a mini WrestleMania. And people go, wow, what the hell? And to have someone like yourself that has that much belief in it and that much trust in it and that much faith to, to put up your own money, to put up your own time, to put up your own resources, to put something out that everyone can look at and go, wow, okay, that, that's something I didn't expect. And yes, you're going to get people that are going to shit on it. It's art. Art's subjective. You're always going to get people that don't like something and others do. Or you're always going to get people that like something that others don't. There's contrarians out there. There's hipsters out there. It's going to happen. But I saw afterwards that the resounding feedback was positive from fans and workers alike. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone loved it. And everyone loved the fact that it was so different. We'd never had anything like this before. And how has he managed to pull this off without having a multi-million dollar company behind him? And I said to people, it's because it's Crowley. <laughs> Nobody else would have the drive and determination to do it, but it's Crowley. The, the best thing you can ever say to Crowley is you can't do it. Yeah. You'll do it. <laughs> yeah. He will do it. And yeah, you, you, you pulled off something that, I don't know if you've ever seen him on YouTube or not, there's people that have done kind of like um, Mortal Kombat or uh, uh, Power Rangers. They've done like dark versions of those. Oh, yeah. And they're really, really good. Yeah. But there's a lot of money behind them and they've paid multi-million dollar kind of productions and they're fantastic. And they've, they've been over months and months and months of filming and, and, and post-production. And you look at this and you go, Crowley did this on the spot. He did this in one day. And he did this and put it all together. And it's a mini movie that's really good. And it's got great quality and it's got great production. And that's all just one guy's vision with a bit of work. And that's what we've come out with. For me, that makes me really positive and really hopeful for the future because that's going to lit a fire under a lot of people. Yeah, well, I mean, it's tricky because, yeah, it's hard because it, it, I, 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 it, it certainly wasn't one day. It was, it was two days of filming. I'm, I'm putting you over here by saying you've done it in one day. Don't kill it. I did it in an hour. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> one take, go, done, finished. Gun. Yeah, we did it all in one take. It was great. Um, but yeah, no, I hear you. And like, considering it was a, it was a kind of like spontaneous right i'm going to do this i set myself a time limit i've never done that before um very stressful i i i doubt myself a lot despite you know if someone says you, you i don't think you can do this i'm like ah oh, well that you know like, it hasn't been done before and i'm like well that just means there's going to be someone that does it for the first time and it's going to be incredible like that's the that's the beauty of those things so i and i was you're right i was thinking brit rest doesn't brit rest especially let alone other us rests um you know like they don't see the, the indie scenes like they don't they don't see this level of quality and i was like i genuinely think they're gonna be like whoa we got that and that's ours it's made by brit rest talent and it has brit rest talent involved there's nothing like that and i was literally like i was really really proud of that. although i did doubt myself a lot like the work was insane like and the stress and looking after so many people during a time when there's a health thing going on like that was really, really hard, but I always made message people, made sure they're all all right. And the feedback I got from the, the workers, the cast and the crew, they were like, honestly, this has made my year. Thank you. And that's why I wanted to do it within the year as well. I didn't want it to come out. I liked the idea that we were ending this hellacious year on a high note, even, but, but taking it all in because like people were so negative, like great 2020s finally. And like, you know, I don't like wishing life away. And so like when it's like, 
2020, oh, can it just end already? Because then what, people are deciding that on this specific day, everything changes? Like, yeah. you know, you're just wasting time. And then you can say, oh, 2021, fresh slate. Why? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I was like, okay, within this time limit that people see, and it's this tangible thing, we are going to make sure you remember 2020 for all the things that happened, including this unique thing you've never seen before that entertains people. And I feel like I accomplished that. And I'm very thankful for all the cast and crew that got involved and a lot of work and effort went in. And I feel like we did a really good job and yeah, hopefully, hopefully changed the game in some small way. Yeah. I think undeniably you've definitely changed the game. And I think you brought more, more eyes to not only these talents that people didn't know, but more eyes to the Crowley experience. And, you know, I think you've, you've, also raised your profile and value a lot because you've not only produced something, but you've shown that you've done this for others. And wrestling can be a very, very selfish, very selfish game. Um, yeah, I've noticed. People can trust in people that can do stuff like that. Um, and, and I know, even though I wasn't involved in it, don't worry, I won't take it too personal. Oh, no. Anyway, I knew this would um, happen. <laughs> even though I wasn't involved, I know how much work you put into it because... I know what you're like when you're producing stuff. Um, you produced your own independent film, Drive Me to the End. Yeah, I was, was going to say, you were in my feature film. I was in your feature film, but I was with you with that, and I saw how much work you put into it, and I spoke to you regularly through that. And I know what it did to you, because I know how much of a perfectionist you are. Um, and and just on that, on that note quickly, Drive Me to the End, it's, it's a great film in its own right. Not only the fact that it's someone that I know that made it, and I was in it doing the worst Scottish accent of all time, but beyond that, it's a really good film. I I cried, and I know a lot of people that did, and a lot of people said that putting the putting Crowley out of the equation, this is a great film in its own right, and it's telling a great story, and it's greatly acted, and it's well put together, and it really for me showed how the effort paid off. Um, anyone that's listening to this that hasn't seen it, it's on Prime, it's on DVD. I, I think you can get it on VHS as well. I'm not too sure, but you've got to see it. It's it's a great story, and it's it's a it's a it's a love letter to the movie industry from from him, and it's a it's a work of art. And yeah, he he needs to get all the credit in the world for it because it's a wonderful story that's been put together. But um, I just want to put a quick plug for that. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, I'm very, very, very proud. That's my first ever feature film. I've made short films for, like you're cordially invited, but that's a feature length film. It's out worldwide yeah. and on Amazon Prime Video. And uh, I'm now writing my, finishing off the script for my next feature film, um, which will be a sci-fi. So I'm still constantly working during this time. It's the perfect time. And I'm just sending out investment packs for people that are interested in investing in film if anyone's interested in investing in film get in touch um but yeah like not stopping and uh, i look forward to uh, the next steps but yeah thank you for that I'll, I'll wait for my casting invite for that one shall i you're going to be in each one paul you know it well, as a scottish person no no more <laughs> legit the worst scottish accent ever anyway i'm gonna make i'm just aware of how long we've been going which is great we've just been kind of you know just two guys chatting and two guys I've really enjoyed it. You're going to have to trim it down lots, but no, 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 it's keeping all in. But so I want to, I want to finish up. So okay. one thing, and, and I, I kind of said a few things on a personal level to Bobby as well, and we'll get to that. I'm going to do the same thing to you as well, though. Favorite match you've ever seen. Favorite match you've ever been in. And then I want to do your desert Island as well. So 
give me those two first. The first favorite match you've ever seen, favorite match you've ever been in. Ooh, favorite match I've ever seen. That's tricky. Are we talking? Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, for me, it must be WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite match I've ever seen. So that's tricky because, so to me, they aren't these like iconic epic. Well, actually, I can't say that because Edge v Undertaker is iconic. Um, but it's got to be between. Oh, Paul, why you do this? <laughs> no, I mean, it, nothing. It's hard because the, do you mean the match in the, in, in the total or like the moment in the match and therefore that match is iconic? I'll put it another way. If you could only ever watch one more match for the rest of your time and it had to be this match, what would it be? Oh, oh okay. Well, in that way, I, I hate to be boring, but it would be Edge v Undertaker because it's like anything Edge related. Edge makes me cry. Edge, Edge, Edge on, on Twitter, when I watched his 24 documentary, I tweeted about it and I said, I'm so motivated. I said, I was just so like sitting here doing nothing. It's now 3am and I'm off for a jog. Like, just because I watched this, and I was like, I'm so emotional. He liked it and I cried. <laughs> I, 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 I lost it because I've got a picture of me and him at a Comic-Con. Like, he's the only one I care about. So when he went, his match with Del Rio at WrestleMania was a big one. I didn't know what was going to happen afterwards, but I was so happy to see him win. Him v Jericho at Mania, I loved it. I think it was a double countout victory, uh, match or something, and it was like kind of disappointing end, but anything to do with Edge, honestly. So Edge v Undertaker was huge for me because so much happened in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely adored that. Um, and then I got the Edge DVD. So like, I just know all the Edge <laughs> matches. Um, so yeah, it's got to be that because it was iconic. It's, it's the match that, that hooked me, and that will never change. My favourite match you've been in? Favorite match I've been in. So I'd say for enjoyment and like just when I realized that this is what I want to do and this is how happy I can be doing this, which is a hard thing for me. I, I, I'm so obsessed with success and, be, and my idea of perfection or my idea of success that I struggle to enjoy it sometimes um, until people say that they had a good time. I'm like, well, that's good. Um, that's the level of it but yeah um, me v Bobby Tyler at UBW will always have a very special place in my heart because just she's a twat and I really enjoyed hitting her <laughs> um, but like she, she, she's my best mate like easy and like she's we, we have the same humour we have the same kind of like we just kind of get on and we, we've always kind of felt like maybe we don't quite click with a lot of people in wrestling um so i've been quite selective with people i've got like a, a small circle as you know and like yeah she's someone i've always felt that we can just kind of talk honestly and stuff and uh she's also like me she's such a perfectionist she wants to be at the very top like a lot of people don't see think, well i'm not gonna get here so if i can go here and i'm like what like if you reach reach further you will get further i'm such a strong believer of that and she gets that so we both have that very motivated thing so to get to wrestle my best mate that was amazing yeah. Uh, and you can't because I enjoyed it so much, and and I was like giddy afterwards. I was like, we smashed it, <laughs> like, and we had such a good match. Uh, and the, and I'm so glad because the chemistry was there, and you like to think it would be with someone that you're so close to, um, and it was. Uh, so it for me, it's got to be that match, um, closely followed by the CJ match because again, he's a close mate, and and that's such a good story. Um, and then also more for career 
turning in regards to how my mind works about this you've given me a desert island i'm supposed to pick one so i picked the bobby one but just to finish that off me v mike bird good wrestling that was a game changer for me like so much stuff clicked then because he was just like no you're gonna do it this way and you're gonna if you learn the lesson then great and i did it that way and i learned a lot and i was like oh i remember you messaging me afterwards and saying to me everything's all into place so many things that weren't there before have now clicked yeah. So many things now make sense. Uh, and you remember you saying you learned more from that match than at any point, which is fantastic. It's a, that's a key moment. Yeah. I mean, like we told an amazing story in just one match and that's it. And and, I, and there's no build or anything. And I hadn't done that before. I needed the build. I need the promos. I need all the stuff I relied on, you know, but yeah, choose one, one match that um, is my favorite. It's maybe Bobby. That's fair. That's fair. And then the, the desert Island one I did with Bobby as well. So you can take one album, and you can take one object or item with you. So the album would be Avenge Sevenfold for sure. Because it just hypes me up, man. Oh, but then... You little new metal emo, you. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I love it. I love it. I love it's Avenge good Sevenfold. Stuff. It's good stuff. Um, that's really tricky. I would probably say they're... 2007 one which i, I think it's just called event sevenfold or or city of evil or hail to the king okay i'll take hail to the king event sevenfold we'll go with hail to the king okay <laughs> and one item you, you gotta take one item that's important to you what would it be oh mm, my one item oh if it would have if 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 winston my dog would still be here it'd be winston um that was my first thought i was like what do i want i want my dog where is he um, awesome. winston was awesome um much love for winston big shout out um go oh, i'm looking around my room now what would i take what's the first thing i think i'd want oh no what Comic Bobby... on a picture of you and edge no it would not be a picture of me and edge can't do anything with that bobby tyler <laughs> eight by ten you can use it as a dartboard Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really tricky. You might have to, this might be the bit you trim the most, just all the pauses. I'm so sorry yeah, about this. Right. Uh, um, because th these questions I find so hard because I'm kind of thinking to myself like, well, oh, I like weights. <laughs> but if I was on an <laughs> island, I wouldn't do it. I, I think I think about these too much. I think I would, oh, you know what? If these can be included together as like one set item, it would be my Game Boy SD and Pokemon Ruby. <laughs> you nerd. Hey, Pokemon <laughs> Ruby was great. You could like find trees and make a little tree house in them and it would be your base. You can't do that in any other Pokemon game. Did you know that, Paul? So we've just found out the plot for You Are Called Invited Part 2, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But look, we're going to finish up in a second. So I want a little, little thing at the end. I want to finish this on. Similar to what I did with Bobby. 20, 20 years this year, I've been teaching. Mm. I, I was saying to Bobby, I've estimated somewhere between 150 and 200 people I've taught. And lots of people have gone on to great things. They've gone on to nothing. Some people have been NXT stars. Some have been WWE stars. All different kinds of things. I've never trained somebody that's picked this up as easily and as well as you. I've never trained somebody that I've had as much not only faith in, but determination to make sure they made it through. We've had lots of long conversations where you've been like, I'm not sure if I'm going to carry this on. I'm not sure if this is right. I've never been so determined to make sure somebody didn't quit as I have with you. 
I've never taught somebody that's picked it up as quickly as you did and it had as much innate natural ability for it. If you aren't lined up with one of the major promotions in the next two years, it'll be a crime. You could invigorate any roster you go to and you could pull the best out of any person you work with. I say this and I say this without any kind of um, blowing smoke up your ass because you know I'm very critical as well. But I say this with absolute honesty. Pound for pound, I will honestly say you are the most prospective prospect I've ever had the privilege of working with. Whatever you do in your career from here to the end of it, I take so much pride in the fact that I've been a part of it. And to think that I've helped in any way, shape or form is fantastic. I get so much pleasure out of seeing you succeed because if I could have one success story I would, I would pin my name to, um, you and Bobby would be the two because of what she's accomplished thus far, what she's definitely going to accomplish going forward and what you're going to accomplish going forward. I think the next five years of Crowley is going to be like nothing else. Your, your heart, your determination, your drive is like nobody I've ever known before. And, uh, yeah, that's all I can say. I, I can't blame or smoke up your ass, but honestly, teaching you and training you and working with you and helping you and, and writing for you and creating for you, it's been a pleasure like I can't describe. Well, thank you so much for saying all that. And, and I, yeah, I really, really appreciate that. And it's something that I've always thought is that I can't wait because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't still have been training. Like I said, I've gone to all these places and like, then it was your place that actually got me sticking around. So that's the first key. And then you invested in me and you invested time in, in me and my wrestling career, but also me outside of wrestling. I've spoken to you about real serious stuff. Yeah. Um, and from then on, I knew that you were there outside. So then you're in my circle because I'm like, there's someone I can talk to about the real world, which is hard to find in wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, look, I cannot wait for the day where I can get to the peak of where I'm going to get in this industry. And I really do think I can go, I can be the, the, the most unique thing in my own way, which, and I'll find my way there, but I want to do stuff that's different. I want to do stuff that people haven't seen before. People think that it shouldn't work and it does because I've made it work. I, I really want to be known for that wrestler one day, uh, but I can't wait to use that and be able to give back to you somehow for all that you've done in some shred. And no matter what it is, I cannot wait to do that. Um, so I'm very, very grateful. And that's always on my mind. 25% sounds fine. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Crowley, we're going to finish up. Um, it's been a pleasure because going into the Bobby, ma the Bobby match, going into the Bobby podcast, um, I had a lot of kind of, set questions I wanted to ask and we had a great chat it was very structured. This one wanted to be a bit more kind of just flying by the seat of our pants. And um, it's been a pleasure and you light up a room whenever you're in it. You've got so much positivity. It makes me sick. You've got Whoa. so much happiness in you. It makes me sick, Whoa. but no, it's been a pleasure. And like I say, if I do nothing else in wrestling from here onwards, which isn't the plan, but if I did nothing else, getting you started in this business keeping you in this business and doing what we've done so far, I could retire on that alone. Happy. Oh, that's very kind of you. I thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. I've had a really good time. This has been really chill. So it's very, very different to other podcasts. And if people have listened to this, cause it's casual and like they can quite have happily have on the background, which I think they will. That's great. 
and I look forward to wrestling you. And it's uh, now I've said it that uh, now it's in the it's out in the universe. Now I have to do it. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to take those five bumps. God damn, <laughs> five! You're going to get five out of me. You'll yeah, <laughs> five, and, and then you'll just one, burst. In... And that'll be when I trip over because I'm blown. And then you'll burst into dust, and I'll be like, yes. "Well, I guess I win." Like Mumra, <laughs> KO. <laughs> Listen, Crowley, this has been fantastic. Thank you for your time, and uh, let's see what the next year brings. Let's smash it, mate. Cheers, Paul. Thank you so much. As you said, five years of Crowley. Sounds horrible. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was Mr. Charles Crowley. As I mentioned beforehand, we spent a couple of hours chatting there and could very easily have spent another couple more. Fantastic, fascinating time talking to Crowley. He's got so much unique vision and input into the business from his acting background and it's just an absolute pleasure to kind of relive his journey as uh, we've been side by side through the whole thing and get his viewpoints on everything that's from his eyes as he went through it and I think honestly he's barely even scratched the surface yet of what he's capable of what he can do and what he can possibly achieve as I said on the podcast somebody needs to snap him up soon one of the big boys they need to snap him up and give him all the opportunity in the world because he can be a major player for absolutely anyone on top of that uh, I would like to ask all of you to not only like and subscribe the podcast for me please but check out Crowley's work check out You Are Cordially Invited the link will be in the show notes it's an incredible production considering the the budget and the resources he had available. It's a mini movie that's on par with anything else you'll see done with multi-billion dollars. And also check out his independent award-winning film, Drive Me to the End. It's available on Amazon Prime Video, I think. Uh, I've got a DVD copy because I'm old. But it's no, it's a fantastic film. It's It's very heartfelt. It's very touching. And it's fantastic acting throughout just ignore my Scottish accent please it's shocking anyway we're going to finish this up I've got some outro music especially for Crowley so please enjoy that on the way out and I will see you on the next episode thank you for joining me 